Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Media Podcast Network. This is What the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAFighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck. What the heck? Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of What the Heck here on MMAFighting.com. My name is Mike Heck. Thank you so much for watching and listening this week. As MMA just continues to be crazy. There is a lot going on in the world of mixed martial arts. So many events that you guys and gals could check out this week and this weekend. A couple of offerings from CFFC. We got Brave 45. We got Bellator 253 tonight. One championship has an event. Invicta FC 43 going down tomorrow night. Icon Fighting Federation 3, I believe. I believe it's the third event. LFA. UFC 255 on Saturday, Titan FC 65 on Sunday, Lexic Man, the COO of Titan FC, is fighting on Saturday night as well. There's just, and I'm sure I'm missing others as well, but just so much face punching to be watched and consumed. It's a good time to be an MMA fan. It's a rough time to be people around the world during 2020, but uh, if you're an MMA fan, there's uh, quite a bit to be thankful for. There's a lot of action to consume. Uh, on top of all that, we had the final Contender Series event of 2020. We saw four more contracts get awarded, and we even saw a uh, potential spot on the Ultimate Fighter offered to Nick Maximoff after his win over Oscar Cota. It was just crazy to watch a man weigh 209 pounds fight a guy who was 265 pounds. Nick Maximoff, clearly the much better fighter, but just Cota's size was just way too much, and it was just a crazy fight to watch. So Maximoff was offered a spot on the upcoming Ultimate Fighter. I have talked to Maximoff's team. They're still weighing that option, whether or not they're going to accept it, because they're going to be filming for that pretty quickly. And, you know, Nick, as he said on when I chatted with him last week, it's a lot. of It's a lot. Most of his, I think all of his professional fights have been a 205. He feels like he's a natural 185-er. But with filming starting pretty soon, he's going to have to fight three times potentially in a short amount of time, cutting a 185 when you haven't really done it before, or at least it's been a long time. It's going to be tough, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, listen, I love the Contender Series. There may be five or six people on Earth who enjoy the Contender Series as much as I do. I actually pay attention. I don't just watch, you know, I don't just like look at topology pages when I think about the Contender Series, like I've interviewed a lot of these fighters when they were, some were amateurs, some early on in their pro careers. So I know a lot about these guys and gals who compete. So I love it. I love it so much. I mean, and there have been people, other reporters out there who have been tweeting about it, who, you know, they're like, 
they're like Patriots fans, okay? I've been a Patriots fan since I was a little kid, right? I've been through the one in 15 season. I went through the years before Drew Bledsoe was drafted. None of you know what I'm talking about if you're not, you know, from the United States, but I went through a lot and then they started winning. I'm not a bandwagon fan. There are a lot of Patriots fans who are bandwagon fans. There's some bandwagon contender series reporters out there. There's no doubt about it. I have been a day one contender series, Mark. I love it. I always will be, but good God, I will be honest. I am happy this season is over. Even with the Fight Island break in between to try to like separate things, 10 weeks is just too much. Maybe it's, I mean, maybe it's just the pandemic and there's been like a UFC event every Saturday for the last like six or seven months. Maybe it's because a couple of the shows were just so insanely ridiculous and good with quick finish after quick finish after quick finish, highlight reel finishes. Maybe our expectations became somewhat unrealistic, but I don't know. I, I think the timing is perfect to sort of put a cap on the Contender Series for 2020, let it simmer again, and by the time the summer of 2021 rolls around, hopefully the world is in a better place. We'll all be fired up for it. Hopefully regional shows are back up and running around the United States and around the world so we can see some more of these prospects that unfortunately haven't been given their opportunity because everything was shut down. But, but listen, if you're looking for that reality TV Maybe get to the UFC type of stuff. We got the Ultimate Fighter coming back. Who knows? I'm not all that excited for it, I'll be honest. But, uh, you know, hopefully it gets a massive facelift. And, um, you know, as far as what I'm hearing in regards to Contender Series contract winners making their UFC debuts, uh, I have spoken to some sources and that the UFC is planning on booking Jordan Levitt. I believe he's, like, one of the first people to get a contract on this season. Uh, looks like he's going to be fighting Matt Wyman on December 5th. Handsome Matt Wyman looking to get back on track, taking on the surging undefeated debutante in Jordan Levitt in Las Vegas. So we'll see what happens with that. That is the plan as of right now. We've got a big week for Bellator later on tonight. Bellator 253, like we alluded to earlier. Main event is just unbelievable. Darian Caldwell versus AJ McKee. I know UFC 255 has the two title fights, some really intriguing matchups, but if you want to make the argument that Darian Caldwell versus AJ McKee is the most fascinating fight of the week, you will get absolutely no argument from me on that. I cannot wait to see how that one plays out. Really outstanding matchup. Big test for AJ McKee. People have been waiting for When's he going to get that step up? And he's been getting them. But if he goes up there and beats Darian Caldwell, whew, man. Him versus Pitbull would just be unbelievable. Whatever this fight against uh, Patricio Pitbull would be unbelievable. Really excited for this fight. Make sure you tune in to CBS Sports Network. We'll be talking a little bit more about that card a little bit later on. UFC 255, I have been singing the praise of this card for a while. It's, it's really good. People are poo-pooing it. I'm going to keep saying it. I think it's a lot better than, than a lot of fans are giving it credit for. I know we don't have the massive star power. You do have Davis Figueiredo. He's one of the most interesting people in the sport. If you haven't seen it, our own Guillermo Cruz had an incredible conversation with Davis Figueiredo after he beat Joseph Benavides to become the champion on Fight Island. It's unbelievable. You learn so much about the man in that conversation. I know the one thing that kind of holds him back is the fact that he doesn't speak English, but Backman has a, has the chance to be a big star in the UFC. He really does. If things can just fall into place perfectly. You got Valentina Shevchenko on the card. Interesting is probably the understatement of the century with her. She's like the female James Bond, like Jose Young said on Between the Links. She's one of the greatest fighters in the world right now, male or female. It's just, this card should be getting more love, okay? Sure, the two title fights, the champions are massive 
favorites, especially in the Shevchenko Maya fight. She's like almost a minus 2,000 favorite in that fight. I think Perez versus Figueroa, I think Figueroa, excuse me, champion first, pal. I think Figueroa versus Perez is a really interesting fight. You got Brandon on Brandon, Moreno versus Roy Val. That's going to be bananas. Just bananas, I tell you. I have a feeling that this card is going to be talked about in the same sentence as like a UFC 199, like a UFC 206, these under-the-radar cards that, that steal some thunder away from some of the bigger events because it's just so good. That could happen on Saturday, and I'm looking forward to it. So if you're a fan of the sport, don't let this, you know, don't let the lack of star power slow you down in or you know when it comes to watching this event i think it's gonna be really good i think there's some really good matchups but let's get to the program and rambling enough let's get to our guest wrapping us up this week we'll talk with ashley yoder she returned to the win column unanimous decision victory over miranda granger at ufc vegas 14 kind of a stalemate fight for a while but then the flip switched for ashley yoder she turns it on in the final round and gets gets a victory First win in around two years or so. We'll get her reaction to the win coming up to wrap up the show this week. Former UFC lightweight champion Benson Henderson is going to join us. The second of two former UFC world champs that will be on the program this week. He returns to action tonight. Co-main event, Bellator 253 takes on Jason Jackson. First fight since the knockout loss to Michael Chandler in August. Going back up to 170. We'll check in with Benson Smooth Henderson, who just celebrated his 37th birthday this week. A little bit later on. One guy I have wanted to interview for a long time now. I don't really call these interviews. This is more like conversations. And Ben Askren is one of those people that I've wanted to converse with for a while. So I've wanted to make this happen. Some of the fans who have followed my work for a long time, they have wanted to see it happen. And this week it finally does. It'll be part of the Apprentice One Championship Edition. But we touched on that. But we talked about, I mean, just a ton of stuff. All the things that you've been asking us, I basically asked Ben about. Maybe we get an update on his uh, his combat sports future following successful hip surgery. Is he thinking about maybe coming back? The world of mixed martial arts. It's about a, it's been about a year since he announced his retirement on Ariel Hawani's MMA show. So keep it locked in for that. Ben Askren makes his what the heck debut. The biggest star of the weekend in MMA this past weekend, Chaos Williams will join us in around 25 minutes to recap his ferocious. 30-second knockout of Abdul Razak Al-Hassan in the co-main event of UFC Vegas 14. It's now 2-0, two finishes, two performance bonuses in the UFC. Just 57 total seconds of octagon time. He is a player at 170 right now. Excited to have the Ox Fighter on the program in just a little bit. But first, big weekend for the flyweights coming up. UFC 255. And who better to have on the show to talk fist fighting, flyweights, fighting careers and more let us kick off this week's episode of what the heck with the former longtime reigning defending ufc flyweight champion the current one championship flyweight grand prix champion one of the greatest to ever step foot in a cage ring any fighting surface you can think of the one the only demetrius johnson all right, we're being joined by the one championship flyweight Grand Prix world champ, former longtime UFC flyweight champion, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, a man we unfortunately haven't seen compete in over a year because 2020 be 2020-ing. And uh, it's been a number of reasons. Most notably, we got a global pandemic going on, but uh, happy to have one of the greatest to ever do it join us right now. You can also catch him soon 
on the new show, The Apprentice, One Championship Edition. DJ, good to see you, man. How are you? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So this has been quite a year for all of us. You were coming off a very active 2019 campaign after the quote-unquote trade from the UFC to One Championship. You went through the Grand Prix. You won it all. Have another shiny belt for the mantle. So before we get into the here and now, you know, after spending eight years with the WEC and the UFC, what was it like making that first walk in March of 2019 for one championship? Uh, it was definitely different. Obviously, you know, traveling, you know, traveling over to Singapore and then doing, you know, my 10 day. Where did I fight first? I fight in Japan first. That's right. Uh, went to Japan, I think 12 days ahead of schedule to give myself enough time to acclimate. And, you know, making a walk and not hearing, you know, uh, the same music that I'm used to coming out to was a little bit different, but I had, you know, my own intro, which is pretty dope. And I, I loved it, man. You know, it's always good to experience different things. It's been a while since you and I have spoken. It's been around three or so years. So forgive me if I bounce around a little bit because there's a lot of questions that I do have. I, I know that you've spoken about the trade and the loss to Cejudo at UFC 227. But one thing I noticed about you from our last chat compared to other interviews I've seen over the years is that you just seem much more free and happy now. Like having that long title defense streak in the UFC, you had the close fight with Henry that a lot of people thought you won. It just seems like all those pressures, the constant talk about moving up to 35, the talk about Dillashaw moving down to 25 and fighting you. It just seemed, and correct me if I'm wrong, that loss and the subsequent move to one, it just seemed like it was just what the doctor ordered. Is that accurate? I would say so. I mean, there was a lot of stress and uh, pressure you know, obviously there's always going to be stress and pressure when you're a champion. And, you know, it's even more pressure, you know, when it comes to selling pay-per-view and trying to hit a certain market pay-per-view so you make more money and et cetera, et cetera. All that stuff, you know, plays a factor. And I, I did my best, you know, to, you know, put it behind me and, and not worry about it. Just go out there and fight and compete, which, you know, uh, I did very well, I, I like to think. Um, but once that all, you know, basically lifts off my shoulders, it felt good, you know, especially when you go over, you know, to Asia, they, they respect, you know, the size that, you know, a 5'3 guy, because they're not very big athletes as well. And when, you know, one championship, it's it's free on television. It's on VR Live. It's also on TNT and Turner. So that that's, that's a huge relief. I mean, the last thing you want to hear after you, you know, defend a world championship and you pull off the Mighty Wiz bar is that, oh, you, you only sold 195,000 pay-per-views. It's like... Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Still one of the most ridiculous submissions of all time, though. That's going to go down in history forever and ever. You, I mean, at least you got that silver lining-wise, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in a strange way, I feel like you're appreciated so much more now amongst the UFC fans. It seems like every couple months, like, the GOAT talks come up in the UFC and the, the Mount Rushmore conversations come to light, and your name is always brought up, and you're doing that while still doing your own thing in another promotion. I mean, do you... Do you listen and pay attention to that chatter? All the goat talk, and if so, what have you made of it? Um, obviously, I, I pay attention to it because it's all over, you know, the feed on Twitter and Instagram and stuff. And I get tagged in, in it here and there. And I also get asked the question, you know, what are my thoughts? I think it's all about perspective on people, like on, on a person's opinion, right? Like my goat, my my top five goats would be different from somebody else. Or I had a, a, a buddy of mine call me the other day. He goes, you can't say John Jones is the best in the world because, you know, it's all about character, too. And I was like, well, you know, for me, I just want to know nobody's beat him. So if it tells somebody to beat him, then, you know, that's that's he's in my boat. They're like, but he popped for drugs. I'm like, he still beat your ass. And so <laughs> that's, just, that's just my personal opinion. And it's always going to change. And 
and that's what I was looking at. It's, it's, it's everybody's perspective. It's everyone's certain perspective on what they think is the greatest, the greatest of all time. And it's always going to be different. Mine might be different from, you know, GSP. It might be different from Daniel Cormier. It might be different from, you know, a thousand people. But it's, it's my own opinion. Israel Adesanya had his opinion. He was asked who the GOAT was, and he said you were. And I don't know if you saw that, and, you know, because that guy certainly wants to be in that conversation as the years go by, and he believes that you're the guy he's chasing. What do you think about that? I, I, I think it's awesome. You know, I've never had nothing but respect for Izzy, and I told him after when he did the Paula, I was like, dog, you're on your way. I was like, you keep, you keep putting on performance like that, you're going to be on your way. I mean, the way he dismantled him, I was like, you know, it's 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 very rare that a fighter will do something in a fight that will make me think think about certain things. And when he did the Paula, I was like, duh. I was like, simple footwork. That's the only. That's the easy way to nullify Paula Costa's, you know, um, striking. You know how you know when he did to Uriah Hall, we did to um, uh, Yoel Romero. He couldn't do it to uh, Izzy Arasana because he used footwork. And I was like, good for you, Izzy. I was like, you know what? You, you impressed me all the time. But now, when he knocked out uh, Paul, I was like, yep, he's on his way. If he keeps doing that, and if he goes up to light heavyweight, and then if he goes up to heavyweight to fight John Jones, I was like, you know, those are all the steps. And, you know, I feel that he, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be in his sport for a long time. Like, I feel he'll be a champion for a long time, as long as he keeps on evolving, and which I, I, I feel like he has the mindset to do that because he watches anime. You know, anime always keeps you uh, your mind fresh and keep you evolving. There you go. True story. I know uh, my colleague Jose Youngs will agree with you on that. So uh, let's talk about you in the here and now, because you were supposed to compete in April against Adriana Marias, and then the event was canceled due to COVID-19, like many other events around the world. When this is all kicking off, like I'll admit, like I had an eye on it, but I guess I didn't take it as seriously as I should have, obviously. But, you know, you're trying to prepare for a fight, trying to prepare travel, et cetera. Did you think as you're getting ready for the fight, that it would get as bad as it did, or did you see the cancellation coming? Nope. I, I thought if I was going to get canceled, I had my flights booked. Um, you know, we were ready to go. I was training. You know, we're, we're, we were ready to go. Oh, and then it, it was supposed to be in China. Then it got switched to, to Jakarta. And obviously, you know, my coach, he, he knew, he saw the writing on the wall because, you know, he, he's just been through, you know, he has more wisdom. He has more years on me. So he was like, dude, this is, it ain't going to happen. They're going to shut down international travel, which they did. And, you know, the fight got postponed. And it, it is what it is. You know, I've always been a type of athlete or the person where if it's something I can't control, then I just put it back in my mind. Like, I'm just like, screw it. You know, when we were like, when are you fighting? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm not worried about it. Until, until they send me a contract or this pandemic is over with, then I'll start worrying about, you know, when we fight again. I mean, today is the last day. The gyms are open. We're going back down on lockdown, quarantine for uh, four weeks. So, I mean, just like that, everything gets shut down again. So nothing else kind of came across your desk in terms of another fight once one started getting events back on the books or just once April was done, you're kind of off the radar for the time being? Yeah, I was off the radar um, for the time being. Obviously, you know. All international traveling got shut down. Uh, so everything that I do in what championship is over in Asia, Singapore, Manila, Japan, uh, you name it, that's international travel. So once that got shut down, your boy was put on put on ice. 
I, I know you, you don't like to focus on things you can't control, but is there like a part of you deep down that's that's worried that it could be another year, maybe even longer before you get the chance to fight again? It's possible. I, absolutely, it's possible. But, you know, I try to keep myself busy, you know, with homeschool with the kids. I homeschool as much as I can. I mean, I'm basically relearning all types of stuff, learning about the scientific method, the continents. You know, I, I'm, I'm basically living my role as, as a father. So every morning I wake up, I cook breakfast for the family, wash dishes, and then we start school at 9 a.m. in the morning. So that's been kind of, you know, taking my mind off of fighting. And I've been enjoying it, and I love every bit of it. What's been your favorite part of the homeschooling? What's, like, the thing that you were, were most excited to relearn again? Uh, just... Honestly, everything, like acronyms and synonyms. And Well, my son is in first grade, and then my middle son is in uh, kindergarten. But just going through all just going through all this stuff again, and, you know, we're learning about, you know, words that sound exactly the same. Words that sound exactly the same but mean different things, like stool. It can mean poop. It can mean uh, a chair. And my son's like, that doesn't make sense. And I'm like, I know it doesn't make sense, Tyrant, but it is what it is. And he goes, and so um, yeah. One thing, I, I have a first grader as well, and you know, he's learning different things. One thing I'm worried about is, like, once he gets to, like third, fourth, fifth grade, I guess like math has completely changed, and how you get from like the problem to the answer, it's completely different than it was when like you and I were in school. Have you seen this? And are you concerned about teaching a new whole new math? Uh, yeah, my brothers came in town, and they're in college, and I was helping them with their homeschool. And the math that I saw, and I told him straight up, I was like, dog, let me tell you straight up. Only math you need in life, depending on what career path you go, is plus um, addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, and learning percentages. That's all you need. All this BS right here, you'll need a damn thing. So when, when I look at it, I'm like, good luck with that, dog. You know, you need help with, you know, anything else, holler at your boy. But for me, don't come at the house with this. <laughs> So if you had to guess, DJ, and I know it's like almost impossible to play the hypothetical game, what's your gut telling you in regards to when you may fight again? Do you think it'll be 2021? You think it'll be longer? Maybe not at all? Like, has, has that thought creeped into your mind at all? I mean, I'm, I'm always, I, you know, I'm a, black, I'm a black and white type of guy where it's like, it's either, you know, I believe I'll probably fight in 2021. I believe that. I believe, you know, that... COVID, the cases won't get out of control, and things will be fine, but at the end of the day, it is in the back of our mind. All it has to do, you know, the president of the United States is like, hey, we're shutting down. We're going nationwide, shut down. No international traveling. We got to get this under control. I mean, that that can happen. It's just the reality of, of life. It's happened before. Do I want it to happen? Absolutely not. I want to go out there and compete while I'm still young. I don't want to sit on the silence for another year, but if it happens, it is what it is. There's nothing I can do about it. You seem like you have your finger on the pulse despite what is going on with the pandemic in your career. I mean, the UFC has a big event on Saturday. Flyweight division is, is featured in a big way. Some really good matchups there. Figueiredo and Perez, the main event. Brandon Moreno versus Brandon Royval on the card. And you've been in these spots before, getting the chance to headline events, even though there are some folks out there, like you said, they kind of dump on the smaller fighters. When you're in a spot like these fighters are in, is there a part of you that's like, all right, here's our chance to put a spotlight on this division that shouldn't necessarily need it because the fights are always good, but, you know, let's let's shine the spotlight on anyways. Is there, like, an extra pressure to do that? Um, I, You know what? I, I wouldn't... 
I wouldn't say so. I mean, when I when I watch fights, you know, I don't think you know these guys that are going there make a statement to, to show the division is dope or whatever. I always thought that way, and that was always my mindset. And it's like for me, I like vanilla cake. You will never get me to like chocolate cake. I don't care if we're on Mars, Venus, or Pluto. I'm always gonna enjoy vanilla cake over than chocolate cake. So that's just how it is with some people. They like the heavyweight fighters more than small weight fighters. And I respect that. You, you can't, you know, you can try to persuade them and change them. But for me, you know, I know what type of uh, weight classes I like to enjoy watching. And nobody's going to change that perspective. There might be a certain athlete that might make me change that. But at the end of the day, I know what I like. What have you made of uh, a Figueiredo's emergence as the champion uh, as he prepares to fight a, a surging guy like Perez who would love to go in there and potentially play spoiler on Saturday? Um, I think Figueiredo is great. I think he's got all the tools to be a champion for a very, long, very, very long time. Um, he can take a shot. He's got great cardio. He's got great jiu-jitsu. He hits hard. Um, those are all the good things uh, to uh, have a long title reign. Um, you know, as long as he stays healthy, drug tests come back clean, he keeps making weight. You know, I don't, I don't see why he couldn't, you know, be a champion for a long time. You know, I, I would love to see him and Henry Cejudo come back in. I would love to see Henry Cejudo come back and fight him, because I feel like Henry Cejudo is a, you know, complete package. He, he'll push the pace. He'll, he'll wrestle, and he, and he's, in, he, Henry's intelligent, right? So I feel like Henry could be able to go out there and oppose problems from. Not saying that Alex Perez can't. I just haven't seen enough Alex Perez. Uh, compete in, you know, Henry, Henry Cejudo, me and him have shared, uh, you know, we, we fought before. So I know that Henry Cejudo will, will figure out a puzzle. Of course, next on the agenda for you is the Apprentice, the One Championship Edition. This is pretty interesting stuff. You're going to be a part of it. Ben Askren, George St. Pierre, Brennan Vera, uh, Henzel Gracie, Sage Northcutt, Angeli, uh, and there are others that I'm missing. This is pretty cool stuff. For those who may not have seen it, what is your role going to be in the show? Like, what are you going to be doing on the Apprentice One Championship Edition? <laughs> um, I'm super excited about it. That's one of the things I love about One Championship is that they're always, they're not just a mixed martial arts company. You know, we got one esports going on with Dota 2 and all that stuff. Obviously, that's been put on pause with the, you know, global pandemic. But now, you know, stepping into, you know, the One Apprentice show, I know everybody else has kind of filmed their their show or whatnot and obviously i'm gonna be a judge on there just sharing you know my life experience working full-time job and also competing as a, a full-time athlete and basically just guiding you know guiding you know the contestants hopefully i can help share my insight and be able to be a great judge i know like in a way it's going to give those competing in it like a chance to learn the business side of MA, which is lost on a lot of people, especially me, because I have no idea how the business side works, how and why decisions are made behind the scenes. Has the business side of the sport, I mean, of course it relates to you with contracts, money and all that stuff, but you know, the back end, the behind the scenes business aspect of such a crazy sport like this, has that been something that you've been interested in on a wider scale? Um, the only thing I, I'm interested in it is when it comes to certain things in the business aspect is how can you leverage your brand? Like, how can you be able to expand your brand outside of mixed martial arts? And that's what I've been doing with my gaming. You know, we just, me and my uh, teammate, we just got back uh, from California shooting some content that was, you know, video game related. And that's, that's going to be broadcast on a certain channel on a certain game. I can't really, you know, speak too much about it. But right there, you know, one of my 
very first passion, which is video game, I've been able to leverage my name to be able to do content in the video game space. So for me, I would always look at like an athlete, you know, my buddy who's um, oh no, as a professional athlete, um, but undefeated as an uh, amateur, I look at him, I'm like, okay, well, he's, his name is James James, he's Chinese, he speaks uh, Mandarin, he also speaks, uh, no, he speaks uh, Cantonese, and he also speaks English, he does wushu, he does uh, all of the, uh, you know, the staff, the sword, nunchucks, he does all that stuff, that's performances, um, every uh, Chinese New Year's, so I'm like, okay, how can we build your brand, you know, you're already a badass fighter, you, I'm sure you're going to do very well, but how can we separate you from everyone else? How can we make your walkout rememberable? You know, just like Izzy Adesanya, like, he, he's, I feel like he separates himself from every other, um, you know, middleweight or, 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 or champion is because he's very, he's very honest, you know, he's throwing up middle fingers, he's calling, you know, people the C word, and he's also, you know, a, a, a nerd who watches anime, and that sticks out to me because that's, that's what type of characters I like to, you know, like follow or like, I guess you can say. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. By the way, did you uh, did you get a PS5 yet? Yes, I did. Are no, you having no issues like everybody else? No thanks to Sony. No thanks to Sony. Shout out to my man Robert Lopez and shout out to Target for delivering the next damn day. Um, but no, 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 uh, no problem whatsoever with mine. Have you seen Have you seen everybody having issues? Even Daniel Cormier said he's having big problems with it. Well, I'm sure Daniel Cormier's got his shit on Wi-Fi. You don't play console <laughs> Wi-Fi. You hardwire that bad boy. <laughs> there you go, gamers. That's a, a little piece of advice from the man himself. DJ, uh, it's great catching up with you, man. I know you're driving. I appreciate you giving me so much time. Uh, you can catch Demetrius Johnson on the Apprentice One Championship Edition. You can find that on the One Super app, and uh, I believe that'll be dropping pretty soon. But I always appreciate the time, man. It's been a few years. Hopefully you'll have a busy 2021 in and out of the cage. But, uh, You're handling it all like a true champion. No surprise here. Thank you as always, man. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity— But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. 
Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Great stuff right there from DJ. It has been a while since him and I have had the chance to chat, and it's been a while since we've seen him compete. The timing is great. Hopefully, once this pandemic dies down, we get to see Demetrius Johnson compete once again, but uh, you can catch him on the Apprentice One Championship Edition on the One Super app when that drops, which I believe is going to be pretty soon. So, speaking of drops, this man dropped his opponent in a very, very scary way on Saturday. A one-punch KO from hell that was delivered by one Chaos Williams this past Saturday night at UFC Vegas 14. So let us get the Ox Fighters reaction to that big win right now. All right, well, there was a lot of attention coming from the main event from this past Saturday's UFC Vegas 14 events. There's so many UFC events, it throws me off sometimes. But the star of the night came from the co-main events. You saw this man, Chaos Williams, knock out Abdul Razak Al-Hassan in just 30 seconds, a wicked right hand that put his opponent out cold. And with that, second UFC finish, second performance of the night, bonus to boot, happy to be joined by the Ox Fighter himself, Chaos Williams, how are you, sir? Blessed, man. Blessed. You know, having a, you know, the, the the weather good, having a good day. You know, like you said, uh, co-main event went well. Uh, you know, just uh, enjoying life. It's crazy because I, I went back and watched our first interview back when I was doing the freelance thing, and you were coming off the knockout win over Alex Morano, and there were several things that stuck out to me from that conversation. One of the things that I thought about on Saturday night was the fact that. One of your goals for your second UFC fight was to fight somebody that would last more than 60 seconds with you because you wanted to show a bit more over a longer period of time than you showed in the Murano fight, then land the highlight reel. Instead, between your two UFC fights, you still haven't hit 60 seconds combined yet. This is absolutely incredible. How does it all feel a few days later? Man, you know, it's still, it's still, uh, you know, it feel, it still feel good. You know, at the end of the day, you know, uh, especially, uh, just seeing how far I've come, you know, seeing Dana White repost it, seeing some of the, you know what I mean, some of the legends in the game speak my name, uh, you know, just uh, retweeting, you know, it's, it, it, I'm just blessed, you know, at the end of the day, but I never admired my work, you know, gotta stay hungry, gotta stay hungry. Um, and I'm I'm, all, I'm gonna just keep grinding, you know, like right now, like you said, you know, it ain't even been a week yet. So of course, you know, I gotta celebrate a little bit, but I'm gonna be right back in the gym. I'm, I'm gonna get right back to work. Uh, you know, the, the more you win, like the harder you got to work because at the end of the day, you got more people that's watching you. You got more haters. You know, you got more people that want to fight you. Uh, you know, it's just so much. It's just so much. So right now, I'm just enjoying it, but I know I know what I got to do. You know, I'm just getting started. You got more haters? No way. No, I mean, you never know, man. You might have silent haters. You know, people, people uh, you know, they can say what they want to say. You know, like, think about it. Like, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's a big world. You, you're not going to make everybody happy. Uh, after my first fight, some people was like, oh, uh, I had – some people was like, that was sloppy or this or that. Or, you know what I mean? Just just, just little, little – you know what I mean? People that probably never fought before, just little stuff. But the thing about it is, like, when you get the job done, me, I get the job done. Like, right, my second fight, it was – I was, I was going to be more technical. Whether we had to go 15 minutes, five minutes – you know, 30 seconds, however it was going to be. That's why I took my time. And, you know, I just had to show people, like, you know, I'm just not no brawler. You know, I'm a all-around fighter. I'm a well-rounded fighter. And, you know, the people, people, they're going to see that. You know, I just continue to get better. And they're going to see that. 
when you knocked out Murano, I mean, you didn't have a lot of time to prepare for that fight, but you used your, the time that you had to your advantage because a lot of people didn't, didn't realize it, but when you, when you finished Murano, you set it up with the kick to the body, and not a lot of people talked about that, but it was something that you and your team felt would, would be sort of an opening there. Did you see something in tape watching um, Al-Hassan, or did your coaches see something that you knew that that right hand would be there and that it would be an opening for you? Uh, yes. See, the thing about it is, I probably watch only probably not even 30 seconds of this fight. Me, I don't really tend, I don't even tend to watch people like that. I let my coaches do that, and they just let me know. And my job is just to train. So I just train, and they let me know, like, okay, this guy, he like this, he like that, or this is what he do. And, you know, that's 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 their job. And, they, and, you know, my job is just to stay ready and be the best me I can be. And they told me, like, they told me, to, you know, really, they just said, just keep it tight, you know, just keep it tight. You know, show the world that you're technical, you, you're a well-rounded fighter, and just be patient. And that's all I did. When Abdul was walking to the octagon, at least where I was watching on ESPN Plus here in Massachusetts, the camera was on you most of the time, especially when you walked in the octagon because you were just mean mugging the crap out of him. Like, you didn't even blink. You are just staring a hole through his soul before and even after Bruce Buffer made his introduction for you. What is going through your mind at that moment is, the fight's about to start. You're eyeballing him like that. Like, what are you thinking about? Hey, like, it's a fight. You know, you 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 sign that contract. In my mind, I'm looking at it like, you know, you sign that contract to uh to fight me. So you, I believe that you believe you can beat me. You coming in here to hurt me. So it's it's, it's kill to be killed. It's, it's it's either you or it's either me. And it's not gonna be me. And I'm gonna lay it all out here on the line. I got 15 minutes to be great. I got 15 minutes to lay it all on the line. And that's just what it is. We, we, we about to test that chin out. Is that something you do for every fight, or is that something you're just feeling in the moment on Saturday? No, that's every fight. You know, every fight, you know, I, I'm, I'm locked in. I'm locked in. You know, one thing about me, you know, let me knock on some wood. But, you know, I, uh, you know, I never, I never, I've never been finished. You know, one thing about me, like, you know, I'm, I'm here. Win, lose, or draw, I'm here. I'm fighting. And, and nobody... Everybody that I fight, they got to, they, we, we, we coming to win. And they know they got to fight on their hands. You know, even through the losses, like early on in my career, you know, it was just a lesson learned. And I never, even through those losses, I've always beat them. They, they left the fight concussions and, you know, throwing up and uh, barely making it out the cage, you know, all beat up. They were just able to control me. That was it. It wasn't me losing the fight, you know what I mean? I just lost my points. They was able to just control me. Pride rules. You won all your fights, right? <laughs> right. For real. <laughs> so it's interesting because, like, in your debut, you were on one of the last cards in front of a crowd in a big arena. So everyone got to react to it. And this one was for, was in an empty arena. Yeah, there were a couple of people there, Dana White, obviously. But, you know, what did you like better, the sound of the crowd reacting to the finish or the echo of the punch landing and his body hitting the mat like that? I mean, I'll definitely say that echo. Just because at the end of the day, you know, we got Dana White right there, you know, and uh, that right there in itself was worth more than the crowd to me. At the end of the day, we got people watching at home. And I feel like even though through the pandemic, it's been a blessing and a curse because it kind of uh, people not doing anything. You know, we really don't got the entertainment like we had, like we had. So when you have UFC on and people not doing anything, they tuning in, you know, especially me, like me, you know, that's why I say I'm the people's champ because the thing about me, I got the whole, I got, I got the whole Michigan behind me. Really, I got the whole Midwest behind me. 
You know, I got I know people all over. You know, I, I ain't local. I'm, I'm everywhere. You know, Chicago, Indiana, um, all over Michigan, Detroit, Lansing, Jackson. I'll be in Kalamazoo, just all over, like Michigan in general, Battle Creek. It's everywhere, you know. So people, people, people know me, and uh, yeah, like I said, man, like I have people tuning in. Was that the was that the scariest knockout of your career? Like it was definitely scary to watch on TV, seeing him drop like that and seeing him out and stiff like that. How concerned were you for his well being after the fight? Was that like one of the scarier knockouts of your career? Uh, definitely was. I'm not gonna lie. Just just off the strength because I know that, you know, it's a sport, you know, and I'm a dangerous fighter, and I feel that at the end of the day, like when I'm in there, it's kill or be killed. But outside of the cage, you know, I I really don't. I know people have I know people have lives. That's somebody's son, you know. That that's I don't know if he got kids or not, but that that's that might be somebody's dad, you know, or somebody's husband, or you get what I mean. So at the end of the day, like I never want to hurt nobody, like too bad, because you know at the end of the day it's just a sport. But while I'm in there, you know it's gonna be killed. And uh, after seeing him down so long. I, you know, I did get a little concerned. Like, you know, I just hope you're all right. Because I know you, you you were celebrating, obviously. I mean, that's that's just such a surreal moment to land a shot like that and, and get a big win and do it in front of Dana and such a such a weird time in the world. You did the backflip and everything. Was it kind of hard to celebrate it or be, because he was so down? Or did you I mean, no, nah, nah, yeah. definitely. I mean, it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard. Like I said, man, you know, I me, mean, I'm always humble, though. I'm always humble. Right. You know, I'm always humble, but at the end of the day, you know, I still, I still, that's a, I put a lot of work into that. You know, that's a lot of pain and suffering, man. A lot of discipline going there. People don't see what's going on in the fights. You know, the fight is one outside of the gym. The fight, I mean, I mean, outside of the cage. The fight is one getting prepared for the fight. You know, that the behind the scenes. That's where the work done. You know, me uh, watching what I'm eating, eating healthy. You know, I'm self-motivated. Nobody had to call me to get up and run miles. Nobody had to call me to go to the jiu-jitsu gym, to go to the wrestling gym, to go to the boxing gym you know, to cut the weight. Nobody had to do that. That was just me. So, of course, like, all that discipline and days and days leading up to it, you know, I had to celebrate. It wasn't long, hard. I know you, you spent some time at Jackson Wink in preparation for this fight. How long did you spend out there? Uh, just a week, just a week. But in that week, you know, I, uh, I just got better. You know, uh, I was able to get one-on-one -on -one with Greg. I was able to get one-on-one uh, -on -one with Winkle John. And then, you know, the people there, it's a lot of talent as well. And it didn't even have everybody there. So, you know, I'm going to definitely uh, go back. You had some words with the big boss after the win, Dana White, as you were walking to the back for your post-fight interview. He had that he had that look in his eye, man. What did you guys say to each other? He was just like, you know, that's one of the most vicious knockouts he's seen in his life. And I'll just, you know, just thank you. I was just grateful to be there, you know, just had opportunity. You know, like I said, when opportunity – in preparation, me is nice, and uh, that's one thing about me. Like I never wanted one of my previous interviews. I've always said like they can call, the, the thing about me. I'm a fighter at heart. I love to fight. You know, it's just not about the money. Of course, if I'm fighting these, when I get further in my career and I'm fighting guys who like top ten or top fifteen, of course, like they got to pay me what I'm worth. You know, I'm a businessman as well. You know, I'm not. I'm not trying to make. Um, I'm not trying to make. X amount of dollars and they making, you know, way up here, you know, cause you gotta give me what, what I'm worth. But then the day it's not about the money for me. It's, it's, it's about, you know, just to continue pursuit of growth, just the opportunity, just keep being great. And, you know, just uh, my legacy. 
That line you dropped in the post-fight interview with Michael Bisbing, people going to keep sleeping on me and the doctor going to keep waking them up. Man, that thing was awesome. That was very mm. powerful stuff. Do you feel like people may be done sleeping on you now that, that now that you've given everyone your division, especially a, a bit of a reminder since they haven't seen you in hadn't seen you in nine months or so? Man, you know, truthfully, I really don't care. But I, I think that, like I said, you know, when I, I feel like I could say what I want to say. And, you know, I'm a decent speaker, but at the end of the day, I got to continue to just keep, I'm, I'm more of a doer. You good? I mean, I like to talk with my hands. I like to speak. I like to speak with my actions so people could know what I'm saying with my hands. They can know what I'm saying with my actions, just like Saturday. Uh, I feel like some people may, might sleep on me. They might, they might still be sleeping, but it's going to take me to continue to just keep winning, maybe two, three more fights, and then, uh, you know, put the, put the, put the division on, uh, get, you know, for them to put some respect on my name. Any, any, I know you just fought on Saturday, but uh, any movement on the, on the video game front, the Chaos Williams video game? No, character? you know, uh, they, I don't think, I, I said something about the video game. I guess that, I didn't even know that, but I guess, you know, DC said no. Somebody retweeted, told me DC said no. But, hey, but I could have swore that the two people I just beat were on the video game. If I'm not mistaken, but, uh, hey, I don't know. Are you cool with that? Or, I mean, you might, you're okay waiting? I mean, after, after two knockouts like that, you should be in the freaking game at this point. I feel like, I feel, I, feel, I, I agree. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, it's God's timing. It's God's timing. You know, they can't deny me. I'm going to end up getting on there eventually, you know. My main thing is just, you know, keep winning. At the end of the day, just keep winning, keep getting better. And, you know, that's really it. You know, the game, that was something I just had to put out there because I have people that, I, I got gamer friends who ask me, and people always ask me, so, you know, I had to put it out there. And hopefully they do put me on there. You know, I'm making noise. You've, I mean, when I last spoke to you, your mentality has always been just line them up. I'll fight whoever the UFC gives me. But right now you got a lot of momentum. And I feel like you're in a place where if you want to, you could call your shot if you want, because a lot of eyes are on you right now. What do you want next? Like who sticks out to you as, as a fight that you would like at 170? Uh, I got people ask me this a lot. One thing about me, like, it's not really nobody that really stick out to me. It's not really nobody that stick out to me, for real, for real. You know, like like you said, man, all eyes on me like pop. At the end of the day, you know, it's, it's, it's all, it's, it's, you know, I'm just playing it by ear. I'm just playing it by ear, taking it day by day. And, uh, you know, I let the matchmaker do their job. I let Dana White, you know, talk to the matchmaker. And, you know, we can make something happen. But, you know, I, I ain't giving nobody no extra clout. You know, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm here. So, I mean, even deep down, there's no one that you're thinking about? I mean, you don't have to tell me, but is, are you, are you no, just not thinking no. about anybody? No, I ain't thinking about nobody. Do you want to try again another one in this year? Like, if they offered you – I mean, you're still in Vegas right now. If they offered you a fight on any of these upcoming November cards, maybe December, are you all over that? Uh, Maybe, you know. Like I said, you know, I'm just playing – I'm just playing by ear, taking it day by day. You know, I never want to uh put too much on my plate, but I, I definitely – uh if. If the opportunity to present itself and it's right, I, I, I will get back in there. Where'd you get the suit, man? That as impressive as as impressive as the performance was, I think you got even more attention for that suit mm. you were wearing. You looked like like five mm. Billy, man. Where did you get that thing? Oh uh, man, in Detroit, man. You know, I, I can't give up the sauce though, man. I can't give up the <laughs> sauce. Can't, can't, can't get my plug up, man. You know what I mean? Can't get my plug up. <laughs> you don't want to give the guy a shout? Nah, he, you know what I'm saying. He got to pay me. He got to pay me a little extra for that. Ah, oh, touche, touche. But Give I mean, me a free suit or something. 
I mean, did you think your the, the the suit would blow up the way that it has? Because I mean, your the picture, your photo with that suit on, that thing was everywhere on Saturday night. Right. You know, I, I made the suit. You know, the suit didn't make me, but you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you feel me? But uh, I didn't think it was gonna blow up like it did. But I do, I did know. Like I've been doing this. You know, my first fight, my first pro fight, I had the suit like three years ago, three four years ago, like. Before, like, everybody seen Connor doing it and stuff like that. I got my own swag, man. You know, I've been I've been dripped up. You know, I've been Gucci down. I've been wearing designer way before the UFC. People just not catching up. I've been wearing Louis Vuittons and, you know, driving sports cars. And, you know what I'm saying? Just living good. You know, I've been doing this. You know, uh, but I, like I said, I'm always humble, but I've been doing this. You know, people just not catching up. Yeah, it's a it's a professional thing, right? Like, you're a professional yep. athlete. You, 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 you compete in the cage as a professional athlete, and then – after the fact, celebrating the win, you dress like a professional after the fact. Oh, exactly. I noticed, um, and, and you talked about it in the post-fight scrum, you were wearing the autism awareness lapel, and, and you mentioned there were family members that you're wearing that in honor of, and that got a lot of positive buzz on social media. How important is it for you as your stardom continues to rise to be able to, to use your platform to raise awareness for things like autism and, and other things for, for good like that? You know, I'm, I'm the people's champ, man. Like I said, man, you know, some people hate me. Some people love me, you know. But at the end of the day, as long as they're watching, that's all that matters. And as far as doing that for autism and uh, this, 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 everything I, this everything I stand on, man. You know, I, I've done a lot of negative stuff back in the day. And now I just turned all that negative and made it positive. So I, I just want to have a positive outlook on things, you know. Like, I'm me. And, uh, you know, like I said, I came from the mud, so... You know, I just want to shed a little light for the ones that feel stuck. I just want to uh, use the platform for things. It's like, it's like we were talking about as far as like uh, autism and stuff like that. I just want to use my platform to be able to, you know what I mean, speak life and just be positive on certain things as well, man. Because, you know, everybody love negative. Everybody love negative shit. It's easy, to, it's easy to attach yourself to negative stuff, you know? Like, example. Example, and you know, what I mean, not like anybody like speaking, but example. Everybody love you when you look like everybody. Everybody, everybody talking about you when you dead and gone. You get what I mean? Right now, I just had a knockout. Okay, great knockout. Second fight, co-main event. Great opponent. Knockout artist. People not getting in there. People not rushing to get in there with a guy like that. You get what I mean? They not rushing to get in there with a guy like me either, but. I always get credit where it's due. And he was a dangerous opponent. I knew what I was up against, but I was locked in. Now, as far as uh, the negative side I was talking about, like, boom, example. If I was a, no, I ain't gonna say me, but you get what I'm saying, like, die tomorrow, man. It's like people blow up, they go blow up, they blow up, overnight type stuff, you know? I feel like MMA is that way in general. Like, and you probably felt this like coming up on the regional scene too, like when you're winning, Everyone wants to go out and drink beers with you and hang out. Mm -hmm. And then when you lose, like, you know who the real ones are. And now that yeah. you're like running them, running them off here in the UFC and running off knockouts, I'm sure like either some of those people are coming back or, you know, new people are trying to come into your life. Like, what has that been like for you? And have you, you know, have you experienced that in your career? Uh, yeah. You know, on the come up, I mean, it's never been, it's never been at this level, obviously, you know, this is the highest level I can be on, on ESPN, uh, sports center, UFC, so, I mean, it's never been, like, how it is right now. But coming up, you know, it's, it's definitely uh, 
the people definitely been on me like like this before, you know, winning, you know, thousand people liking your stuff and everybody sharing your stuff. Like I've already had like a large amount of people hit me up as I was coming up. You know, some people seen this, but as far as like now me being on ESPN and doing it on ESPN plus and the UFC, like, man, my phone blowing up, man. I couldn't even uh look read it all I read all the messages, man. Like I can't even see everything. It's crazy, man. How's um how's the real estate game right now with the pandemic going on? Like I know I know like here in Western Massachusetts it's booming right now. Like I know you, you do different things with, with development and stuff, but you know, people from the big cities are trying to get the hell out of Dodge and they're buying everything out here. How is uh how's the real estate biz in Michigan right now? It's still great. It's still great. You know, everything's still moving, you know. That's one that's one thing about uh land, you know, like sure, you can't get enough of it. My thing is uh I've just been focused on the fighting and stuff, so I kind of put it on hold a little bit, you know, just to be be able to be at my best because I was supposed to fight in March, right. and that kind of got on hold, and I kind of got a little relaxed in April. I got a little relaxed in April because I'm like, man, here I am. I'm grinding. April come. I'm grinding. They shut everything down, and instead of, like, working on the properties or anything like that, I'm thinking I might have a fight, you know? So I kind of put that on hold because it's not going anywhere. I just got to, you know, just pay the taxes on that. That's not going anywhere. That's going to be there, you know. But as far as me getting an opportunity to fight, I got to be at my best. And I kind of put that on hold to be able to be at my best. And, and then when they shut everything down, I got a little relaxed. And they called me for a fight. And I'm like, no, because I don't want to sell myself short. You know, I got to be at my best. Yeah. Did they, did they offer you something else before this this last fight? Uh, Yeah, they did. It was in May. It was amazing. It was like a two-week two week notice fight. You weren't interested in that. Mm. What you say? You weren't you weren't you weren't interested in that. You wanted to to make sure your second go around. Yeah, I was still I was still in shape. I was still in shape, but like I said, I just wasn't at my best. And anytime I get in, I want to give the fans my best because I got a lot of people that believe in me. You know, I got a lot of people that spend their hard-earned money uh, betting on me. Not only that, I owe it to myself to be at my best. When lose or draw, I got to be at my best because I know at my best, I, I don't feel like nobody can really, really touch touch me. You know, I'm a, you know, this is a God-given talent. You know, I'm a great athlete. It's not just about a fight. I'm a great athlete. Everything about me is just, I'm just focused, man. My mind, my body, just spiritually, it's everything, man. You know, I spend the time to meditate. I do this. Did People anyone, don't see what's going on behind the scenes. Did anyone win a lot of money on Saturday? Off of you? Yeah, I had a lot of people that won a lot of money, man. People were sending me bets. I had people that spent five thousand, five thousand. A couple of my homies, man, they they were sending me dudes uh, bet two thousand, one like fifty five hundred. Another one of my homies bet like five thousand. One shoot, one over ten thousand. I got people that bet like two, three hundred. You know, I had a lot of people that spend money that I know personally. It was a little irritating before the fight when I had everybody blowing me up. Like, man, what you about to do, man? <laughs> man, what you about to knock them out or uh, you going to win? I'm like, man, listen, man, don't ask me if I'm about to win. You know, I, I do this, man. I believe in myself. If, you, if you're going to bet on me, you're going to bet on me, you know. Hopefully they're Venmoing you a couple of, couple of bucks there, buddy. I mean, man, shit, they need, they need to, too. <laughs> Especially when you're talking five, you know, four or five figures like that. They, yeah. Ten percent? That's, that's nothing. It's not the For real. Yeah. No, no. Very interesting guy, Chaos Williams. What a start to his UFC career. Really intrigued about 
where he will go from here. Alex, Kaylee, and myself try to make sense of it on this past episode of On to the Next One. Although my pick is no more since Bilal Muhammad is now fighting Diego Lima in December. I thought Chaos sliding in there to replace Sean Brady on December 19th was a very, very interesting option. But for now, Chaos Williams will enjoy the win, enjoy some extra time in Las Vegas, and congratulations to him as we get ready to say hello to a bucket list guest that I've been trying to talk to for a long, long time, probably four or five years at this point. Funky Ben Askren, their wait is over. That conversation happens right now on What the Heck. All right, so for years, people have been asking me, when are you going to interview Ben Askren? And for years, I've tried and to no avail, but luckily for the first time in my career, Funky Ben is joining me on the other side of the camera, former Bellator champion, former One champion, former UFC welterweight, and now he's living that retired life, but still involved in the game. He'll he'll be part of the Apprentice One Championship Edition. That's going to be dropping soon on the One app. But Ben Askren, happy to have you here, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I was uh, up early this morning. Obviously, I'm on the other side of the globe, getting some work done, doing some reading. Uh, Life's pretty good. So where are you right now? I'm in Singapore. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. How are you you enjoying the trip? Um, You know what? Uh, They're very strict over here with the corona thing, way more than so in America. So uh, when I got here, I had to get tested. I did a two-day quarantine. And they're still very strict and regimented on what I can and can't do. So I would love to have a little more freedom, but I understand um, how they like to roll over here. So I get it. So I'm, I'm, I have a lot of work in my room. I'm getting stuff done while I have free time. So what uh, what are you doing in Singapore, if you don't mind me asking? I'm sure. Is this is this oh, one involved? Yeah, you meant you mentioned. Oh, it. you're do- I, you're filming you're filming now. Yeah, I'm filming for uh, the Apprentice the One Championship Edition. Um, yeah, I've never been part of a, a TV production, so it's kind of an interesting new thing. Um, well, obviously, besides fighting, but like for a TV show. Uh, so I filmed with uh, Brandon Barry yesterday. It was, we had a good time. We enjoyed ourselves. Um, yeah, it was good. There you go. So it has been right around a year. We're recording on a Monday night. So two days from right now, as, as we record, will be the one-year anniversary of you going on Ariel Hawani's MMA show and announcing your really? retirement from the sport. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it doesn't feel it does not feel like that long ago, actually. Uh, it really doesn't. Um, but that sounds like yeah, obviously it was November of last year. Yeah, I mean the whole last couple of years, it kind of seems like a blur to me how fast everything went by from the unretirement to the fighting to the retirement again. Um, and then obviously this year with 2020 for everyone's been pretty wild with everything going on. So it, it, when it comes to the the apprentice thing, I wanted to go back to this real quick. What what is your role in the show? Like I know that they're bringing there's a whole slew of you guys and gals yeah. that are going to be making special guest appearances. But what is I talked to DJ a little while ago. He said he's going to be a special guest judge of some sort. What is your role going to be? Uh, I don't even know what they would call my role. A special guest of some sort. I did some things and I'm not really supposed to talk about what I did. So I, you know I'm just going to leave it at that I'm a special guest. But yeah, they got a pretty good a group of athletes. You know, DJ was here. GSP. Henzo Gracie, Brandon Vera, myself, uh, I think Angela Lee. Um, I, I don't know who else. I mean, there might be a few more, but not, not too many more. One of the big reasons that that you had to retire was due to you having problems with your hip. And I know it required a, a full replacement surgery, which you had a couple of months ago. You not posted that it, was a, it wasn't a full Bur- replacement? It was called the Birmingham hip. Oh, you, see, you want to see my scoliosis? Let's show you. you oh, jeez. Yeah. 
That thing's massive. So, yeah, so it's called the Birmingham Hip. Uh, so what what they do is they you know they get it all cleaned up. They um, they cap the top of right. The bone goes into the socket. So they cap the top of it, and then they 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 clean up the inside and they put something on the inside. Um, yeah. So I mean, I'm pain free. I was, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of other things. I knew a bunch of pain on my one side and range of motion was tied to my hip issue, but I had all kinds of back problems. And the day after the surgery, they were just gone. It was, it was wild. I, I really like, I wasn't anticipating that. I just thought I had a bad back because I wrestled my whole life. Um, and then morning after surgery, I woke up and back pain was gone. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm on pain pills. Maybe that's it, you know? And then it just never came back. Is this the best you felt in like years now? You know what? It's one of those things where uh, when you're in that, when you're in it, you just kind of, this is how it is. And you never really think about it all that much. Um, and you just accept that that's the way it is. And so now, you know, even now, now that I feel good, it's like, well, I just accept that's, that's the way that I am. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't want to say, but yeah, I, I had relatively severe back pain to go along with everything else. Uh, and I had hip surgery and it's gone. It's, it's tremendous. And what a couple of months has been for you since the surgery. Cryptocurrency is is going crazy. Donald- <laughs> Just today, dog, had 20% boom on Litecoin I was watching. Let me make sure I'm not wrong. Yeah, right around 20%. We're, going, we're, going, we're in the bull market cycle. I'm having a lot of fun with that. Um, you know, our wrestling academies are doing great this, despite the corona thing going on. Um, we've had absolutely zero transmission in our academies. Um so that's going really well. Yeah, having a lot of fun this year. Yeah, President of the United States called you a young superstar, getting WWE and a male model. <laughs> and a male model. <laughs> you're getting you're getting WWE title belts. I got away with a lot of things in my life because of my looks. Yeah, there. So yeah, I feel you, man. I'm right there with you. It must be this 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 facial hair thing we got rocking right now. Mm-hmm. One thing one thing I did notice you interviewed John freaking Danaher. What was that like? I mean, you that talked to him for about an hour. You know who else I interviewed? I got to interview Ron Paul, and he's like one of my heroes this year. So that was, yeah, that was fun. The Danaher interview was awesome because, you know, they said like, hey, interview interview John for 15 minutes or whatever. And, um, you know, we sat down and we just started talking and we kept talking. And then all of a sudden it was like an hour. And I'm like, oh, shit, it's been an hour, you know? So it was like a really organic conversation where I just had a lot of fun um talking to another really really great mind in grappling how did you uh initially react to the donald trump thing right off the bat because that was that was just great oh uh, i mean most of the stuff is like i'm not you know i know people start tweeting me and i'm like what are they talking about you know and then i have to go look it up i'm like oh my god uh it's i don't know it's equally terrible and um it's equally terrible and great and funny at the same time it's kind of a weird world where you know, the president of the United States is referencing me multiple times, probably not in all that. He's saying positive things about me, but it's it's all circulating around an event that was very negative to me. Um, but I think the ultimate turn is that George has become um, ultra right wing. I mean, he's going nuts on Twitter. It's it's uh, it's pretty wild. It's a crazy it's just a crazy year for us all, Ben. We're seeing yeah. all these things we never thought we would. Mm hmm. And uh, w- one thing we I mean, we, maybe we were expected to see it at some point, but 
you know, you're in Singapore filming for The Apprentice right now, a little over two years after the trade is finalized, because I think we just surpassed the two-year anniversary of that. You're back teaming up with Chatri in the promotion once again. How did this all happen to, to actually get you involved in the show? Uh, I, I don't even recall when he asked me for sure, um, because obviously there were some hiccups this year with the pandemic, but he's someone I keep in touch with. I, I want to say, I'm like, not on a weekly basis, but you know, maybe a couple times a month, just touch base about something going on. You know, we have a really friendly relationship and, um, you know, we're both obviously interested in MMA, interested in the business of MMA. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I talked to him kind of regularly and he asked and I said, sure. Um, uh, and that was that. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you're here because I don't know when I'm going to get the chance to talk to you again. So I want to pick your brain about a few things, if you don't mind. Yeah, ask all the toughest questions you got. I'm oh, ready okay. for it. Well, this is all fun stuff. This is all stuff you probably talk about day to day anyways. But, uh, you know, obviously you're watching all these events. You're giving your takes on mm -hmm. your various podcasts. But uh, the, the, the popular topic in the sport right now, because it's late in the year and it always seems to be this way, but it's a little more interesting now, it's the fighter of the year talk. And normally it's either locked up or it sounded like two, maybe three fighters tops. But yeah. this year it is freaking wide open and like. You know, most of the times it would go to a champion of some sort, but with COVID-19 going on, we're seeing fighters like Hamzat Shamaya, fighters like Kevin Holland. They're very yeah. opportunistic. They're making big strides, and they have huge main events coming up with title implications this quick against Leon Edwards and Jack Hermanson, respectively. Yeah. So with all this going on, how are you looking at the Fighter of the Year conversation right now? Uh, yeah, that's a good one, because I guess none, none of the champs have necessarily stuck out that far. And obviously, like you said, uh, this year with the, the corona situation, it's been really difficult for people to get regular bookings. And so it has been, a lot of people have been highly opportunistic, which is definitely the right move, right? It's like, if, if you're a fighter this year, especially if you're not like a main event fighter already, you need to get, just get your ass in shape and just tell the UFC, like, listen, there's any quarantines, there's any positive tests. I'm fucking ready. Like, you know what? Fly me to Vegas. I'll stay in Vegas for four weeks, and if any show you know opens up, I'm on it. I'll fly to Abu Dhabi, and if any any fight opens up, I'm on it. Like that's what the smart guys are doing right now. I mean, that's literally what Chimaev did that first one in Abu Dhabi. Is he he fought and he just stuck around, and I can't remember who fell out, but someone fell out, and he hopped in like what ten days later or something. Um, so that's definitely the right move by those guys. Um. Yeah, but you're right. No, no one really like sticks out that far and above anybody else. Um, you know, if Chimaev beats uh, Leon Edwards, I think it's probably going to go to him. Um, you know, of the champions, there's—I don't think there's any of them who even had. No one's going to have three fights, right? Of the major champions, Saturday, Davis and Figueiredo is fighting Alex Perez. Both of their third fights. If Figueiredo wins, he win won the title. Beat Joe B twice. He'll defend it. If Alex Perez wins two finishes against top 10 guys and then wins yeah. the title in a major upset, there's a there's a possibility that the winner of that fight could be the front runner, at least for now, right? Definitely a possibility. But I, for whatever reason, that flyweight division isn't really generating too much attention. And uh, if, whether it's fair or not fair, uh, that has a lot to do with, you know, who's going to win the fighter of the year, 100%. What have you made? I mean, Shemayev, like you said, very opportunistic, stayed on the island, got a fight 10 days later. But I mean, I, I could have, not, I mean, we've seen fighters do the same, but I have not seen in a long time, maybe like your impact in the UFC in that one year 
was just huge. Like you burst on the yep. scene, made a massive impact. Shamayev is kind of like the 2020 version of that. You made yep. each fight yep. around it bigger, and that's kind of what he's doing right now. What mm -hmm. have you made of like just his immediate surge? Like the the, the level of opponents has yeah. not been tremendous, but if he goes out there and beats Leon Edwards, this is just outrageous, is it not? Well, I don't. You know what? He's one of those things, and I've said this multiple times. But the formula for what makes a star is fascinating to me because there is no formula. Um, it doesn't – I mean, Shemayev doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. It's like he's like a little bit funny but not that funny. Um, he's won fights in a handful of different ways. It's like why did he catch on so fast when, you know, there's other fighters in UFC – who, if you listed a level of criteria that you would say for a superstar, they probably would fit the criteria much better than Shemayev would. And there's just something about the story where he fought at different weight classes, he turned around in 10 days. Um, there's just something about that story that, for whatever reason, it has caught on like fire. And yes, if if he beats Leon Edwards, especially if it's decisively, if he doesn't win decisively, it, it will take a little bit of steam off. But if he beats... Leon Edwards decisively, he'll probably be a top five personality in UFC by the end of 2020. Just so crazy to see so this rise. It's <laughs> just so unbelievable. Crazy. It's just unbelievable to think about this year and, and this surge. What well, one thing I'm sure you've touched on many times over the years. Uh, a few weeks ago, we saw Habib Nurmagomedov submit Justin Gaethje, retains his title, subsequently retires, and then. As you've seen, like when someone like Habib wins a fight, especially the way he did it, it spurs up. You know, the goat chatter. And I believe it was like in May when Connor made his list on Twitter and then you revealed your list yeah. on Twitter. And you had GSP and Jones, DC, Silva, Habib. You know, I, so I did my, my list had the seven possibilities. Right. I, I think it's just so hard to pick, um, pick one because I think there's a lot of different people who have really, really, really good arguments for um, being the goat. And so, you know, with uh, Khabib, uh, you know, at 29 and 0, and they've all been relatively dominant. There haven't been really very many where you said, oh, shit, I don't know if he's going to win this one or going to the fifth round. Um, and so, given that fact, you'd think, okay, it's an obvious one. But then, you know, when John Jones says, well, you've only defended your belt four times, like, or whatever it was, well, John Jones has got a point there, right? He really does. But then we got to let John Jones, he's failed like three drug, drug tests now. You know, that if someone wants to count that, it's like it'd be like saying Lance Armstrong is the greatest biker of all time. Like, I'm sure there's some people who consider him that, but there's most people have just thrown him out of the discussion because of the extracurriculars that surround his career. And so when you're making that list, there's just it's so subjective to what you think, what your personal opinion is on what matters. Um yeah, I, I mean, I think the GOAT topic is fascinating to everyone because there's just not a clear cut like, oh, yeah, it's obvious. It's, it's this guy. Duh. Like, there's no way anyone can say that. Yeah, and I think I think what throws people off sometimes is that they combine the GOAT in the pound for pound discussion because to me, like, GOAT is like all time, start to finish, entire career. But pound for pound to me is like right this second, right now, who is the most dominant fighter in the world? To yeah. me, John Jones, GSP, they're in the GOAT conversation, maybe 1A, 1B. And then right now, it's hard to argue that Habib is not the best pound-for-pound -pound fighter on earth. It's just so dominant. Yeah, yeah. 
Jones has gone to decisions. Habib's just running through people. Like people just have a hard time separating the two. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and then, then that would go to like, are we judging? We talk about goat. Are we judging a peak or are we judging a longevity? Right? Because you know, John Jones has held that longevity for quite a while. He's been either the best in the world or um, questionably the best in the world with some asterisks because he's sitting out because of whatever reason he's sitting out for at the current time. Um, yeah, and so I, but you know, it's again where some people have that. I don't want to say it's confused, but there is this. You know, is it the peak or is it the longevity? Um, and then, you know, like with an Anderson Silva, if he would have retired on top, like whenever before, say, say he retired before the Weidman fight where he lost, people would have legitimately considered him a goat and, and for very good reason. But, you know, so he was up here on this plateau and then he drops off at the end. And so a lot of people are then taking his name out of the discussion. But does that, you know, do, do those later fights? And this is honestly, I don't have a great answer for this. Do those later fights really have that bad of an implication on what he did earlier? Or did what he did earlier, can that stand on its own as a body of work, and then you don't detract from his later work? Yeah, because I found that interesting that you put Anderson on your list, but you didn't put Fedor and BJ Penn on your list because they didn't retire early enough, but Anderson was there. Oh. Like, uh, Man, BJ, was, uh, BJ is a tough argument, but Fedora is easier, I think, is that you could? There's a legitimate argument to be made that the best heavyweights in the world weren't actually in Pride. Um, you know, a lot of people thought that unequivocally the best heavyweights in the world were in the Pride organization while Fedor was there. And man, I I think you could make an argument otherwise. At the time, no one was making the argument, but when we look back at it, the data, I think that's that's pretty unequivocal that. Um, there's a good argument he made that the, the best heavyweights were not all there. Do you think Habib comes back? Hope not. I always, I always want. I, I love reading about great athletes, and I always wanted. I mean, I wanted it for myself, but I fucked it up, right? I, I always wanted an athlete to have like that picture perfect ending because there's so few that actually have that ending where they're on top, they did everything they wanted to do, and they ride out into the sunset and they said, "I don't need this shit anymore." Um, so I hope so, but you know, I don't know. What about you, man? I like, I, I know you just had surgery. You're feeling good. The back pain has gone away. Um, but I mean, you're a pro wrestling fan as well. There's always that never say never mantra in the pro wrestling world, <laughs> WWE, especially like, can you say definitively that we have seen your final fight or do you think, you know, right place, right time, right opportunity, right money. Maybe you'll scratch yeah. that itch. We, we would say, I would say never say never. Uh, I, I think it's unlikely. Uh, I'm going. I'm going to wrestle next year, not WWE wrestle, real wrestle. I mean, I need a reason to train and be in shape. I love eating freaking ice cream and everything else. So if I'm like, I don't have a good reason. I haven't gotten on the scale in a year. I haven't gotten on the scale since I fought Damian Maya over a year ago. If I don't have a good reason to get on the scale, I'm not getting on the scale. And I know that ain't great for my health. So uh, I'm not super obese, but I'm, I'm definitely not in great shape right now. Uh, and so I can't really train, like I can like ride a bike right now. That's about all I can do with my hip. Um, but give me a few more months and I'll be able to get on the mat and start lightly doing some stuff. I'm definitely going to try to do some wrestling matches next year, just so I give myself a reason to stay in shape. And, uh, you know, I'm at the wrestling Academy five days a week anyway, so it's not like it's going to change my life all that much. I'll just get in there and hop in and work out a few times.
Wow, look at you. I mean, yeah. not many people come back from that surgery and get on the wrestling mat that quickly. Well, so I, my doctor doesn't think there's been anyone who's had the surgery and then fought professionally afterwards. Um, he's had, I think he's had maybe a few golfers or a few other. He's done like 950 of these. He's like one of the preeminent guys in the United States at it. And I, I want to say maybe he did like The Undertaker or something like that. Um, yeah. So I, I want to do something, right? I mean, one of the main reasons I was excited to get this specific surgery, if you get the full hip replacement, you can't do shit. Like you can't run, you can't wrestle, you can't grapple. You're out on everything. Um, and with the surgery that I got, I should be able to um, be full go um, after a year. Were you originally supposed to get the full hip replacement? Uh, there's, there's in the, within the medical community, there's like a debate on whether this surgery is the better, better than the full hip. Um, because I, I guess there's a slightly higher failure rate or, or something to that effect. Uh, but you know, given my age and the fact that I'm young and I'm healthy and that this will give me the opportunity to do things I want to continue to do in my life, I thought this is pretty much, you know, uh, for me, it was a no-brainer. So a week or two ago, I'm like just surfing the internet like I normally do, and I see your name popping up, and Jake Paul continues to say your name. Like he's about to fight Nate yeah, Robinson. What, what is up with this, man? What the hell? Like he says he wants to box you, Mazadal, and McGregor to prove he's a legit boxer. Like I feel like the two of you guys have had this thing for a while now. Like what is the well, deal? No, I was going to wrestle. I, I, Logan Paul came at me last year, and I think that's his brother or cousin or some shit. I don't know what their deal is. <laughs> but I think he was actually a wrestler, and he wanted to, he wanted to wrestle somebody, and I said – well, yeah, we don't got to do a full match, but I'll, I'll pin you in under a minute. No problem, Bubba. And um, he obviously did not accept the challenge because he pretty much knows that that's how it would go down. Um, yeah, and Jake Paul wants to box me. I don't know. I'm not a boxer, but I, I could beat up a bum YouTube celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I would love that would be That, that would sell a lot of pay-per-views. It would be something to do just because you could say, like, I did it, you know. It's like I don't got to go box fucking Roy Jones, get my ass whooped or nothing. I can box this some YouTube bum and uh, and get paid for it. Like, what a tremendous livelihood! <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, by the way, your 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 son Chase Hooper is getting back in the cage on December twelfth. Yeah, Peter Barrett. Yeah, we, we might have some more stuff coming up soon. You never know. Oh yeah. Well, I know you guys did some stuff earlier, right? Yeah. Early film some stuff. Never know. Wow. Okay. It, have you seen him as of as of late? I know you guys pranked Ariel, but have you seen him since oh, then? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I don't remember when it was. A couple weeks back, a month back, something like that. Do you guys keep in touch often? Uh, not super often. Reach out once in a while. Yeah. Last thing for me, true or false, Dave Portnoy will be on the Funky Crypto Podcast sometime in 2021. <sighs> um, Man, that dumbass sold out at, like, you know— <laughs> Well, we, we, in the crypto community, you call it weak hands, right? Uh, because the crypto price, I mean, it's like Litecoin went up 20% in, in the last 24 hours, and, but then it could drop 12% tomorrow, right? And that, that happens. And so I, you know, I think he got in and he went, he went on a little ride, went up about 20% and it dropped 10%. And, you know, he acted like a wimp and he, he got out and he said, I'm done with it. I'm, yeah, I can't handle this. So he, he's got weak hands. Um, once you've been in the crypto space for a while, you realize it's highly volatile and 
Uh, I enjoy it because I always love gambling. It kind of kicks my gambling urge. I don't need to gamble because I get to watch the crypto markets. Um, yeah, I think he's going to be on. I think he's been he's been retweeting us a few times. I, I think he's got some curiosity around the show that we do. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say yes. True. That'd be a pretty big get for you, man. He's uh, you. yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate the time, man. I know you're you're halfway across the globe and doing a lot of different things. And uh, it's been this is one of those bucket list conversations for me. I'm glad we're able to make it happen. Big shout out to one for setting this all up. But uh, anything else you want to get off your chest before you say goodbye? I know you got a million no. things going on. Uh, no, just follow me on social media. You'll probably see all my stuff at Ben Askren. You guys have it on the Instagram, but same thing on Twitter. Uh, I don't really post all that much on Facebook. I don't really have Instagram. I really enjoy Twitter mostly. Uh, and then check me out. I'm one championship, uh, the apprentice, edi- uh, <laughs> apprentice one championship edition. And who knows where else you'll be seeing me coming up. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. That was just great. Ben Askren joining the show, and look at that, keeping that door open for a possible return. The, I would say the door is seemingly closed, but... uh may not be locked altogether like you just heard and to think this man is thinking of getting back on the wrestling mats after getting a major hip surgery not very long ago that's just something else so great stuff from the funky one and look forward to seeing what happens with him and his quest to get back to wrestling who knows maybe back in the cage as we move ahead to we go from the funky one to the smooth one benson henderson returns to the bellator cage tonight bellator 253 co-main events taking on jason jackson spoke with benson this past friday and i always enjoy chatting with the former ufc lightweight champion check it out all right we have benson henderson joining us right now he's back in action this thursday in the co-main event of bellator 253 he's gonna take on jason jackson benson good to talk to you again man how are you i'm good man i'm good not too bad at all thanks for having me on absolutely so uh this fight seemed to have come together quickly but Bellator likes to wait to announce these fights until the date gets a little bit closer. When were you made aware of this fight with Jason? I was given notice about Jason a little under two weeks, no, uh, two, two weeks ahead of time. So, but I, I did uh, text uh, Mike Kogan. I did text uh, Bellator and say, Hey, I don't know if I had to tell you, tell you guys this or not. I hope you guys know this already, but uh, if you guys got anything short notice, you know, 170, 155 is 155. I need a little more notice. I need about three, four weeks notice uh 50 70 give me two days notice you know if you guys need anything let me know though uh and about you know two three days later four days later he uh texted me hit me up said hey you want some sort of notice how about uh you know jason jackson November 19th i said let's do it i'm the huckleberry <laughs> there you go when, when was the last time you've had a fight in like two weeks notice or that kind of short notice has it been a while or is this somewhat typical for you no, it's not. It's not too typical. Normally, nowadays, Belter they give me a, a good advance notice ahead of time. Right. 
Uh, not for a while, I don't think. Not for a while did they have a short notice fight. Does it feel different? I mean, you've, you've experienced everything at this point. You've had short notice fights before in your career, but does yeah. it feel different, a little old school here? Uh, no, it feels good, uh, especially being at 170. It's nice to be able to concentrate on your opponent, you know, Jason Jackson, worry about what he brings to the game and not have to obsess about how many calories I've eaten today, <laughs> how many calories I ate at breakfast, how many, how many grams of protein I had, how many, you know, milligrams of sodium I've in, in, in took in the, throughout the day, how much my, my protein was. So it's nice just to worry about fighting and not all the other, get down the weight and stuff. How much, how much did you weigh, if you don't mind me asking, when, when you said yes to the fight? Uh, I think I was like 178 pounds, like 178.2 that day. I remember they uh, texted and asked. Oh, there you go. This is easy peasy for you. Then. Yeah. You're, you're probably close to the weight right by now, right? You probably just walk yeah, in. Yeah, well, I actually tried to keep up a little heavier weight. I'm working my shake conditioning coach on, on being stronger, heavier uh, at, at 170. So it's only only two weeks notice, you know, so it's hard to do that. But, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm trying to stay away from being too light. There you go. So your last fight was back in August against Michael Chandler and you were looking pretty darn good early on in that fight. You really beating up his body and then he lands that left hand and he ends up putting you away. Obviously not the way you drew it up, especially considering how fired up you were to run that one back. But you know, wins are wins and losses. You can always take something away from these fights. What were you able to take away from that fight despite it not going your way? Um, the thing I took away most from the Chandler fight was him making an adjustment in the middle of the fight, meaning me not being able to adjust to it. It was he switched to a southpaw stance. Uh, whether they saw something, scouted something ahead of time, he switched to southpaw stance. And when he switched to southpaw, I did attack right away. I, I didn't notice that. And then normally when someone switches stance, they're not obviously as good in their off stance as they are their natural stance. But he switched to southpaw. And I fired off right away. I was aggressive. I went forward right away. I landed, I think, a good hard body shot when he went to southpaw. But um, I didn't make the defensive adjustments, I guess. But he came through with that good uh, good left hand. He landed pretty clean from his southpaw stance. So I did not adjust uh, accordingly. I, I didn't adjust enough. I mean, of course, we, we saw what that led to. Chandler goes into free agency. He's now at the UFC. And, you know, he's one of the Bellator OGs, one of the, the faces of the promotion for a long time. Were you surprised that, that, that he jumped to the UFC? Or did you think he might? there's a chance he might have come, come back and stayed? Uh, I didn't really know. I, I wasn't really sure. Uh, didn't have much. Uh, didn't, didn't hear much one way or the other about it, really. How do you think he's going to fare over there? Last question on this, and then we'll move on to the fight. But, uh, no, it's fine, Norris. I think he can do really well, actually. I think he has uh, the wrestling ability. Old could be retired, so. But I think he had the, 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 the wrestling pedigree to not get held down. I, I think he was uh, wise enough, uh, MMA IQ, uh, MMA wrestling. I think he was good enough to not get held down by Khabib and then had the power in his hands because Khabib got hit a lot. I think he had the power in his hands to, to put Khabib down. But whatever, we're going to find out now. Uh, but I think he stacks up very well against most of all the other guys at 155. I think, I think he'll do very well. I think he'll hold his own. Uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a true champion. Yeah, because it looks like maybe Tony Ferguson, maybe Justin Gaethje seems to be in his future. You like his chances in those fights? Uh, I think he stacks up pretty well against most of those guys. I, I, I'll be interested in seeing, because he's a shorter guy, how he does against some of the longer, better guys. He's gone against long guys in, in his past. 
uh, in some of the fights that he's had a tough uh, matchup or some of the shorter guys, actually. But I still be interested in seeing how he does against some of the longer guys, especially uh, some of the guys like 6'3 or 185. Uh, I'm not sure how tall Tony is and what his reach is or anything. But I'll be interested in seeing uh, Chandler against a longer, taller guy with a reach of like 78 inches, 79 inches or so, and seeing how he's able to overcome that. So let's talk about Thursday night, back to welterweight to face a, a guy in Jason Jackson. I mean, he's been in there with some big names. He's had his opportunities along the way. Very talented guy, just beat Jordan Mean in his last fight. Did you know much about Jason when you got the matchup, and how do you like it now from a, like an X's and O's perspective? Yeah. I, I didn't know very much about Jason uh, beforehand. I think I did see his fight with uh, Ed Ruth, so uh, the name sounded familiar, and I was like, oh, yeah, and the guy who fought Ed, Ed Ruth. Um, so yeah, I didn't really know much about him. I think I only saw one of his fights. Uh, I do like the matchup, you know, I think, uh, hopefully it allows me the opportunity to, to showcase a lot of things I've been working on. You know, I, I use the, uh, analogy of the fighters, good fighters, the guys who, you know, who've been doing it a while, been around, they're, uh, like painters, you know, someone who paints something, they want to show it to the world. Hey, look what I've been working on. I've been, you know two months painting this painting is beautiful. It's amazing. I want the world to see it. Check it out. You know, fighters myself, I'm the same way. Like, Hey, I got kicked in the head 17 times. I got punched in the body 27 times working on this new spin move. I have It's really cool. Check it out. I want you guys to see it. So I, I want to showcase the world to the world. stuff I've been working on. So I, I think that uh, Jason Jackson gives me a, a great opportunity to really showcase some things, some things I'm working on, uh, whether it was, you know, against Chandler, working on it against uh, specifically, or whether it was against Miles Jury or Asaya Nawad, Adam Piccolotti, uh, a lot of those guys, uh, I got my hand raised, so that's awesome. That's, I'm th- thankful for that. Uh, but I wasn't able to showcase a lot of the stand-up, a lot of things I've been working on. My, my uh, shake, uh, stand-up coach, uh, Rob Emerson, we're working on a lot of really cool new technique with him, and I'm being able to land it pretty more, much more consistently in practice. So I, just want, I really want to showcase that. I want to show the world, like, hey, check this out. Like, he's going to catch my leg, and I'm going to jump. I'm going to spin the air. I'm going to kick him with a back, you know, a back kick. You know, it's like you get, you get very rarely do you get opportunities to pull a move off. I'm hoping to have those opportunities against Jason Jackson to pull off some moves I've been working on. Uh, that's, what we, that's what we like to see. It, it's funny because you mentioned the, the, the painting thing because Jason Jackson's painted some really good paintings along the way, but when it comes to – you know, being credited and, and being asked to paint that masterpiece. He just hasn't been able to do it yet. Like he, by his own admittance, like when it comes to getting that big fight or getting that chance towards taking that next step forward, he's come up just short every single time. He knows it. It's something that he's spoken about. Is that going through and like studying up on him? Is that something you noticed or is that something you don't really pay attention to? Uh, no, I, I haven't. Um paid that much attention to his career so i haven't really noticed that about him um it's it's interesting it is cool to hear him say that to acknowledge that uh, i think the for anyone to overcome a problem they first have to recognize it they first have to understand it so for him to, to recognize that to understand that to say that speaks a lot a lot about him as a person to recognize that as an athlete um but no it wasn't something i was aware of but uh something i intend on to keep on going for him you like we said earlier. I mean, you've been doing this for a long time, and, and you've seen it all at this point. But momentum is a big thing in in mixed martial arts, especially even in like a team setting. Like over at the lab, I mean, you guys have a ton of momentum right now. You got guys like Batista, Kyler Phillips, Casey Kenny has been on this crazy run as of late. And I remember I was having this conversation with James Krause before his last fight, and he said that 
you know, when it comes to preparation, the vibe in the gym, that momentum makes everybody better, like everybody around him better, but then you get locked in the cage and none of that matters anymore. Is, is that how you look at it as well? And, and how is the vibe over, over at the lab these days with all the success you guys have been having? Uh, the, the vibe of the lab has always been pretty strong, pretty good. We're, we're always pretty consistent. We don't, we've learned from, from our coach, uh, John Crouch, uh, from myself, you know, uh, from all our, our veterans, we learned you can't really ride the roller coaster. You have some big wins. You can't be all oh, yeah, on top of the world. Cause then you get a loss and that loss brings you back down, you know? Yeah. just not ride the roller coasters. You say even keeled always consistently have great practices consistently, you know, practice like, you know, uh, our, our mantra there is to be the hardest worker in the room. We have, a, we have a room for the young killers out there like who don't have big names or, you know, 4-0 or 3-0 or amateurs that are, you know, 2-0 and as an amateur, but they work their butts off. They work they try and work every single day. They, they want to be the hardest worker in the room. You know, they have myself, Jerry Cannonier, uh, like you said, David Michaud, uh, Mario Batista, and all these guys, these youngsters are trying to outwork us. I'm like, oh, man, like, yeah, they're bringing it today. Let's go. We got we to work that much harder, you know, so um, – uh, it's good. It's a good vibe in the, in the room. We are, we're always just trying to get better. We're all just trying to be the hardest worker in the room that day, that day, who's going to be the hardest worker, you or me, let's find out, you know? Uh, so that, that vibe that we have at the, going at the gym, it, it's, it's a, it's a great vibe. Uh, it's nice to have people who honestly care about you, care about your family, your kids, and, and not just, you know, be there to punch you in the face and get better at punching in the face and they're actually trying to help you get better, help your career help you you know live your dream so it's really nice to have that uh, i couldn't be doing this if i didn't have you know my gym the, the way it is i couldn't go to another gym and be you know a punching bag or just be some some guy and, and not have people i really care about people that care about me i i couldn't do that from from like a coaching perspective and a trainer perspective are you excited to just continue to see this evolution of the sport because now you're seeing kids like you know, kids 12, 13 years old, they used to be like at our age, they used to play baseball, basketball, football. Now they're, they're training, they're in jujitsu classes. Like I have a niece who started jujitsu when she was seven years old and she loves it. And she's like obsessed yeah. with it. So seeing these, this, these next wave of kids just coming through by the time they're like in high school, they're like ready to go. That's just crazy. Right. Like yeah. you've been part of this evolution for a while now. Yeah, I think it's awesome. You know, I, I've, I've been seeing the way I've been seeing the trend. I think it's great. You get, you know, I, uh, it's about your, your love of athletes going into the sport. So throughout America for the past, you know, 100, 200 years, the top tier athletes from a younger age, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, they would choose to play, you know, baseball or football or basketball. All the best athletes would go do those sports. And then the third, fourth best athletes would do, you know, the next sports. They would choose baseball first. The best athletes would go to the football. And then they would choose baseball and then they choose basketball and they choose soccer or whatever, you know, going on. And then somewhere down the line, it'd be, you know, guys left over or whatever. Uh, so now we're getting in the actual martial arts, you're getting guys instead of playing basketball, like you said, at a young age, instead of playing football, you know, you get these kids that are monster, just athletes at a young age. Like they're just, you can just tell like they're a difference of, you know, a natural athlete, um, who plays football and picks it up right away and is amazing. Those guys, instead of playing football, instead of playing basketball, they're dedicating that. They're spending that same time, the same hours, instead of dedicating it towards basketball or football or, or soccer or whatever, they're dedicating it towards jiu-jitsu or wrestling or, or MMA even itself. Not even wrestling, jiu-jitsu, but MMA itself. And those guys are going to be scary <laughs> when they get to be 18, 19, 20 years old and put it all together. 
Plus, like the character development that martial arts presents, they're getting that at a young age. You're not coming in at 19, 20 years old with all this crazy life experience. They're like, it's almost like you're getting them from scratch. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So you're about to join me in the illustrious 37 Club, Benson. We're recording this on Friday the 13th. So Monday, yeah. I believe, will, uh, will be your birthday. So happy early birthday to you. And uh, Thank you, man. I was doing my research before. You you performed pretty well on your birthday weeks. I think you're two and one. The loss was the oh, close. Really? Yeah. The loss right. was uh, the, the first Chandler fight. That was such a ridiculous matchup. But oh. do you do you make a big deal out of birthdays these days? Like, I'm sure you, you, you do a little bit because you're a dad now, but is it just like another day for you? Or do you use it as a day to like reflect a little bit? How is that for you? No, yeah. My, my birthdays haven't been a big deal for me since, uh, for a long time. Maybe since <laughs> I was 20 or so. Like, I, I realized early on, like, hey, it's it's cool like yay awesome birthday but it's just another day man like it, it is a day hopefully you do have some time to reflect and hopefully you can do spend your day doing stuff you love doing something fun and cool like i mean going wild and crazy but if you enjoy just sitting down on the couch with your family and, and hanging out and then you know do that have, have, have that be your celebration you know um but no nah, birthdays haven't been my, my wife hates it she she always do something big and crazy and have big you know big uh birthday party for me but now she realizes oh you're you're boring you're old you, you were old at like 24 you didn't want to have a big old birthday party you're you're boring you're old I'm like yeah I am like how should I know this earlier yeah <laughs> and you get to spend it in beautiful Uncasville Connecticut yes amazing Uncasville but I'll be there for, to go to work get my hand raised and then uh come home and uh, hopefully have a, a nice chill celebration at home there you go so how do how do you give your how do you gift yourself this early birthday present how do we get this done you know you get some tricks up your sleeve and uh is there a certain way you see this going down or are we past that stage of your career no just get my hand raised just do whatever it takes like you never know which way a fight is going to take place you never know if you think you've been scouting the whole time guys stand traditional and they come down southpaw or vice versa or whatever the case may be so just go out there get my hand raised uh, go do whatever it takes you know if he you know turn into a boxing match turn into a boxing match turn into a juicy match turn into a juicy match just just go out there and get the job done go get your hand raised go do whatever it takes and that's you know pretty much me in a nutshell yeah, the last time, the last time we spoke, you know, Bellator wasn't even running events. It was a while back, and they were running some programming, re reliving past fights, and uh, they've made a lot of moves since then. Now with CBS Sports Network, some interesting opportunities, some moves being made, and a lot of free agent and prospect signings along the way. Like, what have you made of all these these changes and the approach Bellator's been taking over the last several months? I think it's super. Awesome. I think it's great. I think it's smart. I think, I think, uh, you know, Scott Coker, uh, Mike Coker and all those guys, I think they're, they're doing it the right way. They're, they're building talent from the ground up. They, they know how to build talent. They know how to build some of the best, uh, you know, current day martial artists all came up under, you know, DC a lot of guys consider him to be the best martial artist ever, or, you know, right now currently walking around and uh you know he came up under scott coker scott coker built him groomed him to be the the man that he is to, to have the wins that he does and he had certain matchups along the way he, he didn't give him a hardcore dynamite awesome striker when he was two and oh when he was three and oh he said hey let's give you this guy this this is a good matchup for you and they built daniel cormier into the into the fighter that he is so scott coker definitely knows what he's doing he know he knows how to get it done i think the cbs deal is huge i think it's amazing i think it's awesome uh, I think primetime television is 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 the way to go. I think that's what you want to do. 
And I think that, um, you know, some, some big, huge things are, have been whispered in the backgrounds of, of the Beltor guys. So I'm waiting to hear, waiting to hear, can't wait to hear uh, all the rest of things unfold next couple of months. Did you watch the card last night? No, I missed one last night. I saw, I saw the highlights. I saw, I saw some of the highlights, but I, I missed the card. I, I couldn't watch the whole thing. I got a five-year-old, a three-year-old, a one-year-old, and a three-month-old. So I don't have a lot of time for any sort of <laughs> TV watching. I'm, I'm, as soon as I get home, my, my real job starts when I get home. Yes, I, I have a I have a seven year old who's sitting right in front of me, nice and quiet, which is which is pretty. Uh, oh, nice, awesome. Guy, right? uh, yeah, normally he tries to sneak in here, but he's watching something, so that's good. But yeah. uh, I, I'm sure you saw Patricio Pitbull's knockout, the highlight of that knocking out Pedro yeah. Carvalho. I mean, you do have a victory over him, and since then, this guy's been on a mission, double champ, etc. What have you made of of his surge, man? I think he's 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 doing great. He's, he's one of those guys who's a uh, Constant professional, you know, he's a, he's a true pro. He's not too much of a trash talker either. I love that. I, I'm not a big fan of trash talkers. I can't stand trash talkers. Uh, so I, I have a lot of respect for Patricio because normally he doesn't uh, talk too much smack unless someone says something to him first. He didn't really talk too much smack or anything. So I, I like, I like that a lot. Um, he's just a, a true pro. He's, he always goes in, he busts his butt, he works hard, goes his fights, he shows up. I think he's a, a true professional. When I, when I say true professional, uh, I use that as a compliment to, to younger guys. Like, oh, man, you're, you're really becoming a true vet. Yeah, good job. You show up to practice after a hard loss. You show up to the gym on Monday. You lose on Saturday. You don't have any injuries. You show up to the gym on Monday, ready to get better, ready to, ready to work out, ready, ready to improve. You have a huge win. As a true professional, as a true vet, you know, hey, I gotta get back in the gym. I gotta get better. The, the the youngsters are already watching the film on that, and they're already dissecting it. The smart coaches, a lot of smart coaches in MMA, those coaches are already breaking down that my last performance, always looking for for holes in my game, and how to beat me. So a true professional, true vet, has a big, huge win on Saturday, and guess what? He's back in the gym on Monday. So I use that uh, true pro as a, as a, as the biggest compliment as I can give. I think. Uh, Patricio is a, a, a true pro, and uh, I think he's you know reaping a lot of. Um, rewards now from the from all the hard work well i think it's fair to say that you are a true pro as well benson always appreciate the time man big fight coming up on thursday again happy birthday all the best to you on thursday night and a pleasure as always sir benson henderson back at it tonight bellator 253 co-main event matchup at 170 pounds with jason jackson that is the co-main event and what an opportunity for Jason Jackson. He's gotten a lot of opportunities, very talented guy. He knows that he's gotten opportunities, but for some reason, different varying reasons, he just hasn't been able to get over that hump. Maybe tonight is the night. If he can get a win over Benson Henderson tonight, that'll be massive for him. So make sure you check out that event. Main event is just sick. It's so good. Darian Caldwell versus AJ McKee, CBS Sports Network. I know what I'm going to be doing tonight. I'm watching that. I cannot wait to see how that fight plays out. During this big week in the world of mixed martial arts, we get ready to wrap up what the heck this week. Some news and notes. Uh, let's get to a couple of things, trying to get my brain working here. Oh, yes, uh, Kambache, Brazilian news outlet Kambache reported that the welterweight title fight between Kamara Usman and Gilbert Burns has been agreed upon for UFC 258 on February 13th. I am told that is the plan, it is not done yet, but that is trending in the right direction. Same card also added Chris Weidman versus Uriah Hall. That is good to go for February 13th. And uh, another on to the next one selection. I know AK just introduced a new segment called Check the Tapes. 
on on to the next one where we kind of prove our theories that our picks came true i have to be up at least a touchdown right now on ak in terms of how many of my picks from on to the next one became reality compared to his and uh how about january 16th max holloway versus calvin cater in the main event a plus plus matchmaking right there good fight for max it's been a while since we've seen him in a fight that didn't have any kind of title implications kind of takes the pressure off of him without having a championship in play but and also huge fight for calvin cater well deserved i love it i cannot wait for january 16th that's a good one uh fabricio verdum signed with the professional fighters league uh, after a brief stint into the free agency world after he defeated Alexander Gustafson. So good on him. He's going to try to win that million bucks. Kayla Harrison, also from the PFL. She returns to action tomorrow night for Invicta in the co-main event. Invicta FC 43. So there you go. Like I said, a lot going on in the sport. One more interview to get to, but just wanted to give a big, big thank you and shout out to all of you watching this or listening to the sound of my voice right now. 34 episodes in the books. And I feel like we're just getting started right now. So thank you. Really appreciate it. Of course, we'll have all your UFC 255 coverage throughout the rest of the week and weekend. Our friend Jose Young's out in Vegas right now, weighing in preview show tomorrow, Friday, all the post-fight chats, post-fight show, et cetera, on Saturday. So keep it locked to MMAfighting.com. Big shout out to Casey Lydon on the production, Jose Young's, Alex Savas on the graphics, bugging them every day. Appreciate them coming through as always. So have a heck of a week, everybody. Enjoy the fights. We'll leave you with my chat with the victorious Ashley Yoder from, from this past weekend's UFC Vegas 14 event. See you later. All right, we have Ashley Yoder joining us following her unanimous decision win over Miranda Granger this past Saturday night at UFC Vegas 14. Welcome back to the show and the win column, Ashley. How are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, definitely be- a, a relief to be back in the win column for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, because the last time we spoke was before the Lavinia Souza fight, and obviously that fight didn't go your way, but, you know, coming into a fight, losing back-to-back appearances, how important was it for you to walk out of Las Vegas, come home with, with a victory under your belt? I think it's a, it was underestimated to say that it was very important. <laughs> uh, it was super important to me, and, you know, I think it kind of reflected in the beginning performance of kind of playing a little too safe more than I'd like. Um, not my best performance to date, but, um, I feel like it's just one of those things in the back of your head. You're trying to not lose position and sacrifice any points, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm definitely excited to be able to have that kind of relief off my shoulders for getting back into the win column. So it's nice. Did you feel any extra pressure at all? Like I know a fight is a fight and there's enough pressure just going in there to fight, but did you have any, any sort of extra lying pressure on you that knowing that maybe your back was against the wall, losing two straight? You know, I've just had um, a rough, uh, you know, uh, running so far. So I, I think on myself maybe. But, you know, every day we have to prove ourselves win or loss in the UFC. So um, I think it was just more for myself, kind of getting that win back in my sails. So Miranda came into the UFC undefeated from the tri-state area, won her debut. She's lost her last two. Finished her for sure, but she seemed... You know, you seem to be ready for everything that she brought to the table, able to sort of stalemate everything she tried to bring forth to you. Did anything surprise you at all in the fight from Miranda? Uh, no, I, not at all. I think um, uh, for my 
personal self and my performance, I was holding back a lot on like some of the scrambles. I think I was trying to get uh, more of a solid position. So it was kind of like not my style. And I like to grapple. I like to roll around like, a, you know, I mean, I don't get called the spider monkey for nothing. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, she was a super sweet, very tough opponent. You know, she's as the first person I'm, I've fought in 115 that's bigger than me. I'm like, how are you bigger than me? Like, you know, she's very skinny. I'm not talking big in that sense. We're all small, but like just her, her shoulders were bigger. You know, she was just bigger than me. So I was, I was very, um, surprised by that. You know, I thought we'd be, um, I mean, we're pretty close, but it was just weird. Cause I'm usually the big one, like always towering people. So the switch seemed to flip in the third round. You became much more aggressive. You were very, very close to getting that first UFC finish that you've been looking for for so long. What was the the conversation like in your corner between the second and third rounds? Um, it was a little bit of like you know them just saying it it could be one and one, which I knew it was one and one, um, in my mind. Uh, and you know at that point I was like you know, I think a switch hit like you got to leave it out there. You have to show them you want to be here. And um, it was more I think an internal like, all right, we we got to do this. You know I really have to just like make a stamp on that third round and. I wish I would have done it earlier. Um, you know, the capabilities were there to do it earlier. I just, you know, uh, I got to get, I've, I got my trust back, I think, after that fight, you know, feeling like good in those positions and being able to handle myself and just kind of be present in the moment really helped. So, yeah, um, that third round, I was just like, I'm leaving it all out here. So, yeah, I, it's to sort of build upon that, you know, you and I have spoken quite a bit over the years and, you, you know, you've said many times that, you know, I mean, you're still you're still relatively new to the sport. It's not like you were a lifelong martial artist. Like you're continuing to evolve. Like you even said it after the fight. Like you are the definition of MMA. Like you're very technical. You're implementing new tools to your game. And I'm and I'm curious about this because I'm I'm not a fighter, which is why I'm asking this question. Because obviously the technique is there, the athleticism is obviously there. Do you feel like at certain points in these fights that you have a hard time? And, and there are fighters that I've talked to over the years that have felt this way. Do you feel like you have difficulty tapping into that sort of dark side, that aggressive side, like from the outside no. looking? Yeah. I mean, we saw it in the third round, but, yeah. you know, do you feel like that's a place that's a bit difficult to find once you're in there? Uh, no, I think, you know, to start off, it is, you may, I mean, to answer your question in absolutes, I think coming into a fight the very first the very first round is always rough just because you're trying to get the fill out process you're trying to be on your game and understand if this person's gonna do what you've kind of game planned for or are they just gonna throw something crazy out of nowhere so it's a very unknown kind of area in that first round and the first exchanges how hard does this person punch what's their head movement like you know those little things you have so many things going through your head um but at the same time uh i think like that third round like it's if it's capable in the third round it's definitely capable in the first so it's one of those things that like not i have that kind of all right we're not fighting for our lives at this point you know so i feel like i can go in there and be myself and i feel newer in the fact that like going into this fight i felt uh my weight cut was perfect like everything i slept before the fight for the first time like my last fight, I did not sleep the night before. So it was such an amazing feeling to have those good things go by um, and going all the way up into the fight. And even the last minute, like, they're like, I thought there was an extra fight in between um, before I had to go out. And they're like, no, you're going now. So normally that would kind of throw me off, but I was fine with it. So 
Um, just, I feel like, as you know, like over the years that I've had a lot of fights in the UFC, I've had, you know, I'm, but I'm still learning. So it's, it's kind of weird to kind of talk to someone that doesn't understand that. They're like, what do you mean? You've had eight fights in the UFC now, two on the ultimate fighter, you know? So I'm, I'm experienced on that side of like having, have, having higher level, but I'm still trying to understand myself as an athlete too, because I never did team sports. I never, well, I mean, I, I swam, I did track, but nothing like in collegiate level or even high school level that really required to understand yourself, you know? So, so. what was that like to just feel like that for on a Saturday night? Like nothing threw you off. You felt good. Weight cut was good. You slept. I mean, sleeping the night before that not a lot of fighters could say that. Dude, nine hours, <laughs> nine hours, nine hours. I was, that is like a record for me. So, um, compared to my last fight it was it's day and night difference you don't have those like if you i was doing everything that the ufc um protocols for uh the performance institute has us when we rehydrate i followed it this time to a t and i felt so much better than i even and i don't have rough weight cuts but 10 pounds is 10 pounds so you know you cut from i walk around at like 125 i still have to cut down to 115 so um it's never the easiest it's more uncomfortable than anything but um everything just was like my stomach was feeling good you know so it was just a, it was a really good experience and it gave me like even more kind of fuel in my fire to be like we can do that you know this is a possible of a feeling like you could feel good you just have to kind of have your right mindset about it and do the right and just be smart about you it you so. were so close to that finish you've wanted to get one in there so badly like every interview we've had Oh, I want to get that first finish. I want to get that first finish. How bummed were you when you heard that horn sound when you had that choke locked in? Man, it was it was heartbreaking. But, you know, the, the smart thing for me was in my last fight, I got overzealous of trying to get it to the ground and jumping on a back, falling off, getting bad position. And even though my there was a lot of things that I did wrong on my grappling in this fight, there the thing that I was, like, most proud of my whole fight uh, – Seeing an arm bar multiple times, and only, I didn't, the last round especially, I felt like she was like, take my arm. But literally, I was like, I don't want to lose position. So it, it made me feel good going out after the fact that, like, I didn't sacrifice a submission attempt at that point for position, especially when the rounds were kind of close. So um, I know that sounds crazy, but, I mean, I saw that I wanted this arm bar so bad. And it was like, just keep working, you know. It will open up itself, and... It's true. So I think that it gives me confidence too to know it. I get those positions all the time in practice. And then you go into the UFC and, you know, I started my career with all finishes and not getting those. It kind of also takes the energy and wind out of your sails. But I feel like after this fight, I, I have a new fire and I, I really feel I feel like it's going to change a lot of things in my future. So I'm excited. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, because, I mean, the, the Sayuri Kondo fight, I mean, you made women's strawweight history. You got 30-24s on the scorecards. First time that ever happened in that weight class. But I feel after talking to you on, after that fight compared to talking to you after this fight, I feel like you took more away from this one than you did the 30-24 fight. You know, I did, you know, and I, I kept trying to bring myself back to what was my mindset? What was, what was so good that I felt? And, and, you know, at the end of the day, it was going into the fight the locker room vibes were just there you know you, I, I didn't I that's the only thing I can remember from that fight that was like beforehand that was like going smoothly and um I kept trying to like oh okay so like you know I can, I can get there again but I feel like the Siri Kondo fight was a a huge 
peak on what I'm capable of. And I've only gotten better since then. And um, I'm just ready to really like get back in there and show the world that like I'm meant to be in the UFC, you know? So um, I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) Not happy with my performance, but I'm excited. What would you grade your performance overall? Gosh, a C. Really? Have you gone back and watched it? Yeah. How many times? Yeah. Maybe even a C minus. Uh, only once. Only once right now. Trying to, like, my coaches got on to me because, you know, it is a huge thing. I go through a lot. I've had a lot of losses this year, uh, like, really close friends passing. And it's just, I've had a lot on myself. So I need to embrace this win and for what it is. You know, it, it wasn't that it was a robbery. It wasn't, you know, there's always things to be worked on. So I do understand that. It's just, you want so I'm a perfectionist, man. I want I want to get this finish. I want to get these wins. I want to show, you know, I want to be the potential Ashley that I know I can be. So I'm I'm just striving for that every time. You were fired up after the fight. You were you were bleeped from ESPN Plus. You're dropping f bombs in the post fight scrub. I was like, I try to try. I try not to. You know the thing is, I'm around guys a lot. So even Dana in the back's like, you can cuss as much as you want. And then they're like, dude, how many f bombs are you saying? I was like, I think I only said like maybe two or three, but I don't know. They were just bleeping me out like no other. I heard it was really funny. It was. I was. I was shocked. I was shocked. Ashley, I'm not gonna you're lie. Like, She's a nice girl. Why? <laughs> My parents are probably so upset. I'm mortified now. Uh, yeah, I didn't mean, you know, I was I was fired up. I had a lot of emotions going, you know. I was going into this fight. Like, we, I just, one of our really good, uh, one of my teammates just passed this week on Wednesday. And it was a sudden thing that we weren't expecting. Um, so it was, you know, another thing to add to the list. I've dealt with a lot of death in my life, unfortunately. And um, just trying to keep that focus on the task at hand. But I think it was really important to me after the fight to acknowledge, you know, um, the loss of anyone that is going on right now and how important it is to seek help. So, um, yeah, that's uh, basically where I was at, plus trying to be not cussing, but it yeah, just didn't I mean, work, sometimes so. <laughs> the emotion just come out. Uh, one thing you mentioned in the post-fight scrum is um, that you, you, I didn't even know you had a, you had a mental coach. You, you talked about mental coaching and how important that is, and I'm sure with a lot of things that you've dealt with in the past and, you know, just fighting and trying to get better and trying to – you can get in your own head. Like, how pivotal has that been for you to, to work with a, a mental coach to prepare you for a fight and, and other things that happen? Well, you know, uh, better late than never. I probably should have got one a million years ago, but um, even just for the losses of my family members. But, you know, for me, uh, it was a blessing. I, I did reach out for help, actually, before my before after my um, Singapore fight, and it didn't work out. There, It was a bad situation. And then uh, I just decided after this fight, like I literally hired Brian. I was probably not even home from Vegas at the time yet. I'm like, I'm, I'm serious about this. I know this is what's holding me back. I got to fix this. So um, it takes a lot to do that. You know, it's very, it's, it's very humbling when someone, you have to tell someone that, you know, like I try to put this facade up that I'm really tough in the gym because I'm the only girl, you know, they don't see me cry. They don't see my, my, some of my coaches see me behind the doors, you know, see me break down, but I keep a lot of this stuff. I shut it out and it's definitely not the healthiest way, but, um, yeah, Brian's been a blessing and he's, uh, someone that's worked with guys in the, you know, GSP, Rich Franklin, uh, Don Cerrone back in the day, you know, he's worked with these guys that 
have done amazing things in the UFC. So uh, I'm very blessed to work with him, and he treats me no less or no more than anybody else. So I'm very grateful. That's great. Um, pretty pretty smooth night in a lot of ways for you on Saturday, but one thing that was not so smooth was uh, the judging and the scoring in particular throughout the night. Bruce Buffer is reading off the scores, 30-26, 29-27, and then he says 27-26. I mean, you had to have felt that when you heard 30-26 and 29-27 that you probably had won the fight. But when you heard 27-26, what the heck is going on in your mind? I was like, is that even a possible score? I wasn't even <laughs> sure. I was like, what is going on? I did, you know, I knew that the, I went into that fight one. I knew going in third round was one and one. And I, I feel like being in top position and pretty much almost getting, I mean, not pretty much, well, attempting a submission at the end of the third um solidified that round for me um so yeah it was that was really i was like not a draw what is going on here I'm like trying to do math and i'm not i don't know i'm not a math major man i just got punched in the face i was like uh i can't think right now but yeah it was it was definitely man i can't i I'm just not the person to be really putting any faith in any judge, which no one should, but I, I feel like I'm definitely not. One of the things you've, you've wanted to do over the last couple of years, you want to stay active, you know, three months between fights this time. That's a nice sort of change of pace for you. But I've, I, I know with all these conversations, there's like two paths that you like to take. One is, you know, staying in the gym, improving, learning. The other is just getting back in there and getting as many fights as possible. What do you feel is, is sort of your next move? Do you want to try and get back in there quickly? Maybe get another one in this year, early next year? What are you thinking in, in that front? Um, you know, I'm hopefully I want to go home. I get to go home once a year. Um, if I if it wasn't Christmas right now, heck yeah, call me next week. You know, I'd be so down. I'm not injured. Uh, don't have an, uh, no. There aren't any stitches, uh, so I'm blessed on that side of it. But I only get to go home and see my parents uh, once a year. So I keep that in December. So, um, yeah, hopefully I want to – I'm thinking like February, mid-February. Um, my coach goes out of into Brazil as well for uh, the first time. He has been home in a long time. So he's my main man. So uh, as much as I do want a quick turnaround, um, if it was before December 17th, call me. But uh, I want to go home and see my family. Um, I, I – I need to do that, uh, especially with the times that are going on right now. So as long as the travel restrictions don't tighten up anymore in the next couple of weeks, um, hopefully I'm going to go home for two weeks and then come back and early in the year get another fight. One, so. th one thing I, I kind of realized, and, and, and I know it wasn't necessarily supposed to be this way because there were so many switch-ups and cancellations heading into Saturday, first main card fight in the mm -hmm. UFC. Yeah. You know, I just, I found that out probably the same time you did. Actually, I, they kept telling me, Hey, your report times one, your report times one thirty, your report times three thirty. I was like, okay. So we get over there and he's like, you're like the third to last fight. I'm like, what? And I honestly thought in the back, I had two more fights before I had to go. So, um, one of my corners is actually coaching another fighter that was fighting. So it was a, a little bit chaotic in the back. Cause it went from like zero to here, like real fast, like, all right, you're going. I'm like, all right, let's go. So it was, um, a little bit intense. Yeah. I'm definitely excited. You know, for me, I just want the most exposure as possible. If that's undercard ESPN, like I, man, I just want to fight. I want to, I want to be able to reach out and 
you know, get new fans to be like, hey, you know, women's MMA is legit, you know, or, you know, just get that new fan base for the UFC and for uh, female fighters. So wherever I can get the most exposure. There's there's a a new teammate of yours in the UFC right now, right? Jared Vandera is one one of your teammates, right? Yes, sir. And he is a stud. Um, he, we actually share my, my birthday that I celebrate and his birthday are on the same day. So he's a good, he is. And, and it was nice to see him get his shot. Cause a lot of people felt like he should have got this call a little bit earlier than he did. What was that like to, to, for you to watch him go out there, get a finish and make it happen like that? Well, it made me really excited. I like I've a hundred percent behind you on that. I think Jared's been needs the opportunity to be in the UFC a long time ago. Um, you know, especially heavyweights. These guys, ex- this guy is an athlete, not just a heavyweight. So, um, and he likes to fight. So why not? And I, I had the opportunity to be able to connect him with my agency and things happen. And, you know, he did the work to get himself there. You know, he performed and he got his contract rightfully so. So, um, I was just really excited to be able to kind of connect those two together so he could make his magic happen. So I'm very excited for him. Um, it's really, really, it's a great thing. He's got a little family he's starting and and the gym he's picked up. So I'm grateful for that. I interviewed Jared once last year and it was like almost a 50 minute interview because the man likes to talk. It's pretty funny. And on the contender series, I don't understand what, what, what about his self confidence. He called himself ugly in his interviews with Laura Sanko like 11 times. Like, does he do that in the gym too? Or. Oh, we don't ever really talk about looks, but he, um, he is an interesting character, but he is like a through and through, like, uh, he, I, yeah, I think he's just a specimen for that weight class, man. He, he's a big boy, but he can move. So he does paint his fingernails sometimes, which I've always wondered about that, but I've never really asked. So. Well, there you go. Well, we'll find out more about Jared Vandera on December 12th. Makes his UFC debut, gets the call out that he that he wanted. Sergey Spivak, he's going to get that. Uh, but as far as you go, congratulations on the win, Ashley. You had to dig deep. You got it done. So close to that first finish in the octagon. But maybe in the next one, it'll happen for you. But uh, thank you for the time, as always. And all the best to you. Happy holidays. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.